Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic book shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Flame On. I'm Brian, and I'm here with some of the best people I know. Sometimes I think we're the only people you know. Oh, that's that's not true. But oh, so I have Oral here. Hi, uh, and I have Jared here. Hello. And behind me, masterfully producing this episode and going to be talking is Pat. Hey, what's up, everybody? Now, uh, you may ask, where are our other compatriots? They are off having their own wacky adventures. Of course, we are recording this day after Free Comic Book Day. We know Eric is at home. It's Mother's Day. And help, yes, Mother's Day. Because we decided to record on Mother's Day. Listen, we've all... No, wait, not all of us. Some of us have, you know, acknowledged our mothers. I have already already covered that base on Saturday. I covered my bases as well. Okay, we we did too. So we're good. We're good. Uh, you did. You I didn't go to New York. Wow, but you sent her <laughs> lovely flowers. I did send her flowers, but I'm the one that doesn't get to see his mom every so. Aww. Yeah. I mean, no, no disrespect to those who've lost their mothers. Just saying. Mm-hmm. I get to see her maybe once a year. Okay. And uh, BJ, uh, we understand, is off having wacky adventures in Atlanta at Frolicon. Have you heard of Frolicon? Or I don't know what that is. Jared, have you heard of Frolicon? No. Are there wood nymphs involved? Um, based on the pictures I'm seeing, it's quite probable. Actually. Okay. Uh, so Frolicon's byline, and this is literally we don't know much more than this, but I'm sure BJ is going to come back with a great few stories that he can share on the air, and some that he probably shouldn't. Um, it's the naughty side of paradise. That's the the type. Oh, is this like when you guys went to? M-A-L? M-A-L? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Kind of. I think there's an element of that in common with the pup play, perhaps. But, you know, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining this in, like, a Futurama setting, and this is all funded by Hedonism Bot. Yeah, <laughs> That makes a lot of sense, actually, yeah. Okay. I, I okay. we go with okay. that. But we did see, as I mean, again, I was just curious, because I was like, what the heck is this? 
there's some rules that we wanted to bring up, and then we're going to ask BJ when he comes back uh, about these. Um, so Frolicon is a general kind of play convention. Whatever that means to you, I think they're pretty much go for it. Um, but as part of that, there is, I think, a subset of sort of dungeon and kink play. Um, this may actually come up in a future Quest for the Crown. We could do like the vanilla uh, versus. Actually, yes, the open-mindedness. There we, there we yes, go. Or yes, adventurousness. Yes. Adventurousness. Yes. I've, so I've we okay. should come back to that. And, okay. and question. Okay. I quest- usually just say, "I'm like Kelly Rowland. I'm down for whatever. I'm down for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to you, I couldn't make love on the floor." <laughs> I uh, thought you were going to say it was like Kelly Rowland, you'll be somebody's commander. That you'll provide the answers. And now you command say, them to dance. Uh, let's just say I'm Kelly Rowland on that album where David Greta keeps showing up. <laughs> because those were the popular songs that she put out. Aww. And then she didn't do anything like that on her album. And it went nowhere. She's coming back. Don't worry. Don't you wait. Don't you worry. <laughs> Don't you wait. Don't I you will wait. not be waiting. <laughs> I love Kelly Rowland. I will not be waiting. So I wanted to re- read a couple of these rules because they were interesting to me. Um, and now where are these rules for, Brian? These are – well, so there's general rules, which okay. I'll start with. And then there are dungeon rules. That's what I was getting to. So, Oh, and Quest for the Crown. I, I wanted to bring that up real quick. Okay. In case you've missed this, we are doing this sort of on-again, off-again series, as we like to do, about, say, what would you call that, dating? Uh, Not dating, but just the um, abstracts of masculinity. So if you see an episode that says Quest for the Crown, or Q4TC, I don't know what we called it. Sure, whatever. Yeah. The next one we are excited about is is actually no, it's it's Quest for the Crown because it's supposed to be Quest for the Crown of Narcissus, and that doesn't fit in the title line. Yes, 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 yes. So it's Quest for the Crown. We are not reviewing a game <laughs> that you may have played called Quest for the Crown, which I'm sure there are several. Um, but anyway, be that as it may, that's coming. That's coming soon. But there is one app back in the feed if you want to check that out. Um, and then we're going to get on to our, our normal gay geeky reviews. So be be patient. We're just going to indulge ourselves a bit here. Um, the rules that I'm interested in are a couple. Uh, one, don't play. Let's freak out the mundanes. Um, Look at the normies. Look at them. That's a little weird. I'm, I'm like, okay, I, I get that this is your own thing and that that's fun and you kind of feel like you're different. But I don't know. It just seems sort of – I don't know. Mundane seems so – dismissive or uh you know i don't know it's it's uh, it's, a, it's, a little, it's a little racist yeah a little, a little bit a little, a little bit. racist i'm not gonna go there well i can i can see referring to someone as normies because you've been persecuted categorized, yeah. yeah persecuted and categorized freaks, as, yeah, as yeah. deviants yeah i so, mean i guess it's know. like tit for tat kind of thing yeah um to go on with that though it does say when you are in a public area please stay covered so if you couldn't go grocery shopping in it, cover it up. And I was like, I've seen some people at Walmart who don't wear very much. In fact, I saw a guy there with a snake, and I think he did no shirt on and, like, jorts and sandals. It was – anyway, that's Walmart for you. Um, some other stuff. No means no. Good. That's good, uh, of course. Women – why do women wear skimpy clothes at cons? Because they feel safe doing it. It's a chance for you to feel beautiful and be treated like a goddess. 
When you see nakedness, you may see some really cool toys. This does not mean you have permission to go lay your grubby paws on either. Um, seeing someone in the midst of a debaucherous act does not, we repeat, does not constitute an invitation to join in such acts. Just be happy you can be a witness, and if you're very good, maybe you'll be invited in next time. That's one of their rules. It's a little long-winded, but I think the idea is still a good idea. Just kind of tells you something. Um, I do like this one, too. Bring your own fun. This isn't really a rule, but more of a suggestion. Are you one of those people who makes Frolicon fun? Go to a panel. Ask questions. Sign up for a game or event or show off your skills. Enter one of our contests, wear something exciting, and spice up your social life. Polite observation is good, but enthusiastic enthusiastic participation is better. So, you know, this just sounds like it's all over the place. And from the pictures we've seen, it it, it really is. Bounce houses. There was a mass, mass hypnosis sessions. I'm sorry, did you say bounce houses? Yeah. Is that what, that's not right? Like a moonwalk? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no. exactly. This is like an adult kid's party. I actually think BJ talked about this because I'm, I'm having these flashbacks to this idea of adult... Player. Anyway, maybe it was off the off the show. All right, so so that's just general rules. There is a dungeon specific rule, so of course there is some some more excitement here. Um, no fire allowed in the dungeon except for candles used for wax play. That's important. Understandable. I mean that's fine. Um, no scatter water sports allowed. Well, okay, good. That's that's kind of gross and cl- not. That's not health and hygiene. Health and hygiene. Health and hygiene. Right. Here's the one that got my attention, and this made me really question what I'm reading. No toys over three feet. That's not a mistake. I thought it was at first. Three feet in length are to be used in the general... three ruler's length. Yes, that's very important. To be used in a general dungeon play space. An area will be reserved in the dungeon, however, for toys longer than three feet. This area is called the whip lane. See specific rules for this area below. And we're going to share those two. We're going to come to, back to that, though. So that was that was a red, a little bit of a red hanky flag, if you will. Okay, then the next one. Toys or play that can easily cause blood spray or shrapnel are not allowed. What the fuck is shrapnel? Uh, I don't know. Maybe somebody has, like, a cat of nine tails somewhere, and, you know, the, the hooks, like, get into your flesh and just, like, start oh, tearing. See... Well, oh. even without it getting into your, even without the hooks, can you imagine? if you're whipping somebody long enough, you are going to break skin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Can you imagine just walking through a convention hall and there's just like cat traps just like all oh. over the place? <laughs> just like, you, who just walked here? Ninjas? So, <laughs> ninjas? <laughs> so you're, you're walking down the convention hall, you know, beautifully carpeted, you know, wide, spacious mm-hmm. hallways, and you see the glass of, um, you know, the, the convention floor below, and it looks like, you know, the Spanish Inquisition down there. <laughs> <laughs> just like red spray up on the roof. All right. I'm just imagining Hannibal oh. from the new series walking oh. in in his, like, white, uh, full-body suit, protective suit. Oh, actually, you know, I, I had a chance to bid on that from the show. Of course you did. I didn't, but <laughs> one of my, my coworkers, uh, I, I joked that his, his boyfriend thinks he's a serial killer because he likes Hannibal. Okay. It's kind of funny, but whatever. And I'm like, you should totally get bid on this like clear vinyl suit that he wears. I think that'd be perfect for a, a prop. I did bid on props from that show, by the way. I lost out on all of those fuckers, and I'm so sad because I really wanted something from that show. And I didn't get anything. Okay. So okay. anyway, you got the DVDs. They look really great. I live on my memories and all. All right, so so let's get back. Uh, I think that was the, the. Oh yeah, this is good too. General rule and for the dungeon, 
ask before touching others' playthings, inanimate and two-legged. I mean, that's a good rule, I think. You don't want to just grab. Oh, it. I get it now because <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes your partners are your playthings. I got exactly. it. Now they are very considerate of time. They say please limit your play sessions to one to one and a half hours, especially if there are others waiting for the equipment. So I guess an hour is probably enough. I mean, it's not too bad. Um, no penetration without a barrier. And that's all they say. Good so. rule for the dungeon. Good rule for life. Exactly. Now, we have come at the t- come to the time where there is a whip lane rule, like we promised. And it does elaborate on what the whip lane is. This area is for use of toys, whips, longer than three feet only. If you are, lo- sorry, if you are using a single tail three feet or shorter, you may use it in the general play area. So, three feet's this magic, like, arm's length, I guess? Like, that's, that's three feet? About, like, your the width of your arms uh-huh. kind of thing? Maybe. Like, so that's their magic limit. So, if it's any longer... That's you got to stay in the whip lane. If you're shorter than that, then you're good for wherever. Well, their play areas are probably such a a space, space yeah. that if you are extending your arm back to whip somebody and your whip is over three feet, you could potentially Hit harm somebody, somebody else. else. So yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they're just looking out for your safety. No, they are, and they're also looking for your 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 uh, cleanliness. Um, there is a section under cleanup. Or, so there will be appropriate cleanup supplies available. Okay, great. Alert party staff to any possible spilled blood or other bodily fluids you cannot safely clean up. I mean, you know, spooge pile over here, clean it up. I mean, I just, I, I just, I, I, I don't want to be judgmental because obviously. Oh, we, we already are. <laughs> I really, that went out the window when you first started talking about this. I'm not being judgmental. I just you don't are. understand why, like, why do you need a bounce house? <laughs> <laughs> like that's the thing. All this is whatever you're you stuck are, in the bounce house. You are house. absolutely being judgmental about this bounce house. I'm not because the only thing that I have found that I would want to be involved in at this convention is the bounce house. I am nonplussed <laughs> about everything else. Whatever you want to do is whatever you want to do. And let's be real, a lot of us have done a lot. Having said that, like what's what's the deal with the bounce house? Like what? <laughs> that's what I want to ask. That's what I'm going to ask BJ. <laughs> Girl, what was up with the bounce house? What's the deal with the bounce house? <laughs> so we hope BJ had a great time, and we do hope that he comes back with some good stories. Because honestly, I am fascinated by this. This is like what I feel like happens at Dragon Con at night. But you went you know? to you went to a leather convention. But the leather convention, most of the space was nothing like bad. Like the only area that had anything like mildly kinky was the pup play, and honestly, nothing there except guys walking around on all fours. I mean, it was really tame. Well, we didn't really. We only saw like the convention. vendor side of right. the convention piece of it. We didn't go to a private it. room. Well, we did go to a couple, but nothing was happening, except we did watch across the way. We went to like two rooms, or one each year. But we didn't go to any of the nighttime. We didn't go to the leather cocktails. We didn't go to any of the cocktails. It's where all the title holders yes. get dressed up in their regalia uh, and then convene and and. It's like the winner's circle yes. at the Kentucky Derby. Yes. Ah, how timely. Oh, very nice. And they do trot around. It's, it's... <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> uh, and actually, a shout out to our friend Jim, who is Mr. Bearbus 2016. Yep. And he is uh, he represented us up there. Yep. He went and represented MAL, and um, he was supposed to send me pictures from this his latest trip because yeah. he went and represented at uh, Claw. Cleveland Leather Awareness Weekend, I believe it is. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> 
It's yeah. also it also sounds like a Bond organization <laughs> that's bent on yeah. like deforesting the world yeah. and then yeah. selling lumber at an exorbitant price. With a giant like toy claw just reaching down, grabbing wood. Um totally an aside, and we're gonna transition here real <laughs> like quickly. This <laughs> I know, this is an aside from Cons- aside. Has anybody seen uh Danger Mouse, the new adventures yet? No. It's how, how does this relate? Claw. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, Inspector Gadget was Claw. Yes, Doctor oh, Claw. Yeah. Th- yeah. Okay. So I merged the two in my head, and it just anyway. Now, if there was a reboot of Inspector Gadget, I would probably like want to watch that. I was say, I think there have been, been like a couple. They I'm, don't look very good. They, they, no, I mean not like the movies or any of that bullshit. No, no, no. Was there a cartoon? cartoon? There's been a cartoon. Oh, then it, never it, mind. It probably was good. Anyway. Yeah. All right. All that aside, there's been something very important that has been out in the movie theaters actually very recently, and we are so timely with our review that three of us have seen it. And, uh, I don't know, Jared, are you ever going to see it? Probably not. No. Yeah. <laughs> you surprise us sometimes. I mean, you do. Yes. Well, what was the last Marvel movie I it saw? Was, uh, what was the last maybe? superhero movie you saw? You saw Batman Did you see Superman, Batman? No, I saw Deadpool. That's what I saw. Ah, uh, yes. There you go. See, I knew there was something. All right, so we're talking about Captain America Civil War. And you can get the D this coming Tuesday. Oh, is that the, the tagline? Yeah. Movie? Talks about getting the D. Oh, Deadpool. All right, so... This is the long-awaited Civil War adaptation, loosely speaking. Uh, But it's the third Captain America movie, um, and it's very much kind of a really sequel to Avengers 2. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, it didn't feel like a Captain America movie. It felt like Avengers 3. Right. But which is fine, which is what it should be yeah. at this point. I it, mean, it, it was slightly Cap kept, 3 because they, you know, when Natasha and Cap were talking about looking for Bucky. I mean, I'm not saying that it was like any more than maybe three and a half minutes of this oh, yeah, for sure. two hour and 45 minute movie, but there were hints of Captain America three. <laughs> it very much kept the storylines from Captain America two when a winter soldier going and developing with all the other Avengers and related things coming to play. So warning, if Adrian... warning, there are spoiler alerts coming. Warning, warning. <laughs> I Can love we just it. record that and play that at the beginning? I love it. Um, all right, so first off, let's just do it top level. Do we like it? Yes. Okay, I, I liked it. Yes, I liked it too. Okay. Uh, Jared, or three. again, abstains. So I will, I will vote for Jared. Jared liked it too. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> You're welcome. I actually feel like it is, it's not... But I feel like in the DC and Marvel movies, there's a conversation going on. It's fairly one-sided. Like, DC does something, and Marvel sort of does their thing and subtly kind of reacts to it. And again, I may just be totally imagining that this is just the way it's happening. But, like, comparing comparing Batman versus Superman, which we just saw a month ago, right, to this movie, it is, like, night and day for movie making, for excitement, for character development, for, for storytelling, for storytelling for everything that is good in the world. Like Batman and Superman is so incredibly bad compared to the otherwise, you know, really good Marvel movies. And then this one in particular did a great job of juggling all of these different elements. You know, Batman and Superman it was just like three major superheroes with a couple cameos sprinkled in for good good measure this has got like what at least seven or eight or nine superheroes at play at i want to say times. it's at least 10 yeah so it's spider-man ant-man black widow vision scarlet witch iron man war machine um black panther 
Falcon. Captain America. Captain America. So we're at 10. Did you say Bucky? Bucky. Nope, 11. And then oh. throw in supporting roles like... Uh, Agent 13. Agent, Sharon yeah, Carter. Sharon, Sharon Carter. Because she was technically a team cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baron Zemo, if we throw in villains. Um, Which, interesting. Hawkeye. We didn't, oh, ha- Scarlet Witch. <laughs> I said Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. Of okay. course. Okay. Really. Oh, of all, of forget? all people. Sorry, sorry. She ain't gonna forget her. Our Scarlet um, Witch. Yeah. yeah, no. I. You know what? I, I went in forgetting that it was Captain America. I thought of it as like an Avengers movie because that's what it was. And, you know, are there issues with it? I would say yes. Um, did I think it was perfect? No, but I, I really enjoyed it. But I think what I enjoy most about it is like me post-processing it and seeing how I feel about moving these sort of characters around and giving them their own separate motivations. Because, you know, Avengers, they unified for a threat. Avengers 2, they're adding more people to the roster. Um, Civil War, they're now seeing that they're a team and name, but they may not actually be a fully functioning team. And they're not. Um, and seeing how people have now like kind of morphed and changed um, is interesting. I love and I love seeing like the way Tony is portrayed because they make him seem like he's being unreasonable and he's not. No. He's saying, I think this is a really good idea. The world is behind us. They're not wrong. I don't think you're right. I don't necessarily think you're completely wrong, but the way we act autonomously has to be taken into account. Like we're, we're all of the checks and none of the balances. Yeah. Um, and then, like, once once we talk about how we all felt about it, I'll tell you what I kind of liked and what I didn't like okay. towards the end. That, that's good. Actually, there's a couple of things. One, uh, I know Pat has. But um, you're right. It's it's They sell Civil War, the concept, I think, better than the comic book did. This idea that we do need some limit on these walking atomic bombs is what one of the things they say. Um, Dragging me through the mud. <laughs> Yeah, and Scarlet Witch has got a key role in this that well, I didn't expect. That was the I thought that was the worst worst way. Like that of all things was the worst way to make like be the jump off point. The comic books had one thing. When you are young and reckless superheroes and you kill 600 people including kids, that's one thing. But if they had just left it with Sokovia as being the tipping point, mm-hmm. I would have understood that. And that's part of the thing. That's what you don't see in the the trailers. Obviously, is this um, Lagos incident is like is really what that that tipping point is, mm-hmm. and it's the most contained yeah. of all instances. The fact that Scarlet Witch was actually doing something to try to prevent there being death and bloodshed on the ground, because had that had she not done that, they would have. All everybody on the ground would have been dead. Exactly. So and that's, instead that's of my having, issue. Yeah, instead of having eleven people die, or eleven Wakandans who were there, apparently every single Wakandan that was visiting was all on that same that same floor in that same building. I get that. Like, and that's you're trying to make it a point for Wakanda to be involved and to get Black Panther and T'Chaka and T'Challa into the um, into the mix. But I thought that was just a bizarre way to do it. 
and and intro it. Had you said Battle um, Battle of New York, had you um, said Washington D.C. In, for during Winter Soldier, and you had said Sokovia, I would have been like, okay, that's fine because those were all major major incidents where there was really no thought. Although in, on it's at Sokovia during Sokovia, there was thought of we need to get the civilians out. Which is so funny because I feel like they Avengers and Marvel has made a point to show how these heroes are acting heroic, bending over backwards to save people from the destruction that's being caused, mainly by the bad guys, not well, them. At least by Sokovia, because at that point they needed to respond to the fact that Superman just fucked up people for the for the sake but of I it mean, and then killed somebody. Even in the first Avengers, when the alien Jatari are invading, there's so many shots of like Hawk, uh, not Hawkeye, Hawk. Uh, Hawkeye. Sorry, I'm getting DC. Hawk girl. Legends of Tomorrow all mingled in. Um, Hawkeye and, and Scarlet, or not Scarlet, which um, Black Widow and Cap, like they're saving, they like show them going through buildings, protecting people. I mean, it's, that to me is heroism. Fighting is not heroic. It doesn't have to be. Fighting could be whatever. It's fighting. Superman and Batman fighting for just to fight isn't heroic at all. Seeing a superhero go in to a situation where they are going to potentially be hurt or killed to save somebody. Firefighters, police, first responders, you know, peacekeepers, like those are her heroes. Those are people out there risking their lives to save people. That's heroic. And Marvel has done a great job. But but in this world, that happens because people and we we know this is true. Like we know this is how this would play out. Like there is a huge degree of verisimilitude to the way humanity would react to these situations, right? I mean, we see it in the way they distrust uh, uh, immigrants uh, that are getting kicked out of uh, Syria or leaving Syria, f fleeing Syria because of the war. We see it in the way American and Europe have reacted to this situation, and they're, they're demonizing these people who really are just trying to survive and thrive, and we think that they're threats. So obviously, if there were these terribly powerful people these these people even if they were saving lives consistently we would still mistrust them because well what if what if you know and and i think what they they were trying to drive home you know with the you know the the black mother who lost her son to violence don't think i didn't see that because it did um it's never going to be enough it's never going to be enough there is always blame to share. Um, and, you know, at the end of it, Zemo says, you know, like, they, they left. You know, yeah, they, they stopped this evil. But then two days later, I'm still pulling rubble off of my family. Like, it's, I, I get why they did it. I, I think they pulled it off. Does it work for a story? Yes. Is it compelling? Maybe. Like, I didn't feel compelled through the movie. I was entertained. Really? Yeah. See, I thought that it elevated the action sequences, which they were great action sequences, of course. I, that they had this sort of dialogue going on the whole time about what are the limits of power. And you But know. see, here's the thing. That's on the surface. That is what this movie is about. Right. What this movie is really about is ulterior motives. Oh, well, yeah, Who sure. are we intrinsically? Because no matter... You can talk about the greater good all you want, but when your back's up against the wall and something that you care about, like the, the line that, you know, you will turn on your friends, your family, to 
protect your own interests. That's what that movie is about. That's mm. what ultimately tears everyone apart yeah. is that everyone has their ulterior motives. And once you realize that, you know, somebody who had your back, you know, uh, less than a year ago um, is now diametrically opposed to you because of X, Y, and Z, who can you trust? Not everyone. You trust those who who are more along the more aligned to you. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because Cap and Tony both throughout are sort of protecting their own interests. I mean, Bucky is Cap's interest. I mean, that is his closest, dearest friend. And he goes through the ringer to actually keep him from getting killed. And then Tony, at first, because of this incident with the the mother and the kid, feels like he is trying to protect you know everybody from them. But then there is a plot twist towards the end of the film that reveals I mean, after they've kind of gotten past that, no, that that has this turn of vengeance, and it's Pym sort of reacting to his own personal interest of vengeance against Bucky. It turns out. So I mean, I know what you're saying, and I agree. It, it does kind of strip away all of the veneer from these superheroes to me i, I was ta- telling uh Patton, our friend eric in the car i'm like this is like the empire strikes back of the marvel universe it's yeah. where all the shit falls apart to kind of get to a darker place where then they didn't have to rebuild and kind of i know. called it the two towers today well <laughs> that's fair too mm-hmm. well let me let me back up for a second when you're talking about tony protecting everybody from them that scene with the mother was not about did not make him want to protect everybody from them. That's his own guilt. Oh yeah. Because mm-hmm. Sokovia happened because he built Ultron. Oh yeah. And did not listen to anybody else. So really the whole thing, it's not about power and and trying to limit their godlike abilities. It's his own guilt trip. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is about his guilt trip. Yeah. Because you're talking about you're going to tell me that after the Battle of New York, he didn't think about the fact that people died during that? No. You no. Don't, you're going to tell me that? I, like, it, it was, I found it a good way to do this, and at the same time, I thought it was a little weird that this one person who called you out on your shit mm-hmm. is going to make you all of a sudden have this change of heart. Like, I don't, I don't, see, I don't see Tony Stark in this incarnation, the way that they have portrayed him. To all of a sudden flip on a dime like that and become this man of, we need to have restrictions. We need to be a government sanctioned thing. The government should tell us when and where we should go do this. I didn't see that. It worked for what it needed to for the film. It made them diametrically opposed on a but, on a topic. But Factory and Ultron does kind of make sense then. That's what no, you're no, like if that's Pat, you're absolutely right. Like I, you know why he's doing this. Oh like, yeah. He's like, hey, look, everybody. Really? This it, is someone who I feel responsible for because if it was not for me, and you could say, you know, once Ultron became autonomous, like it's not, it's not his fault anymore. It's it's this being that is now taking it upon himself to wipe out humanity. And you but can't it's really still his. It. It's like the sins of the father. But it's still his fault because he created. Exactly. Yeah. No. He, yeah, feels, he created. Yeah. Him. He feels. Com- he, he feels compelled to do something. Like I get that, but I I see you know the way you feel about Tony Stark is the way I feel about Cap, because that during the eulogy for Agent Carter, <laughs> you know Sharon says you know like 
you tell the world to move. That's a direct cap quote. I remember that scene where you're just like, when the world is against you and everyone thinks that they're right and you you know that you can't compromise, you stand there, you plant yourself like a tree, and then you tell the world to move. And I can understand that, but at the end of the movie where – and. You know, once you saw like 1991, December 1991 or like November or whatever it was. Yeah, December 16th, 1991. Yeah, when you saw, you know, that, you know, the Winter Soldier carrying out his mission, I knew exactly who it was. Like, right. it wasn't hard. Um, but now knowing, because the big reveal is, um, is that Bucky kills, you know, Stark's parents. He's not in control. It's not his fault, technically. Um, but he kills his parents and Steve's known all along and he didn't say anything. And so that's ultimately where the big schism comes from. Like the final, you know, where you drive a shield through your friend's heart. The the real civil war happens. The entire first two thirds of the movie is this one, this one thing. It's a pretense. And it's okay. Well, sure. Whatever. And then it gets to the point where, and the big question is, how did Cap know? Yeah. I don't I don't know. They don't and, show that at all. And then I think Brian on the drive back was saying, well, maybe it was in the Quinjet that they talked about it. But that the way that Cap talked to Tony, the way that Steve, when he, Steve said it, he said, I've known, or no, I'm sorry, not when he said it to him, when he wrote it in the letter. So it's the voiceover at the end, yeah. towards, at the end of the movie. And he says that maybe I, um, or I, you know, I didn't tell you because... Like and he's saying this thing like and he's just how it was basically to justify it in his own head, mm-hmm. which makes it sound like he's known this whole time. Yeah. Didn't he just find out that Bucky like was alive two years prior in yeah. Winter Soldier? Yeah. Yeah. So when so, did he find this out? Because they haven't in two years. That entire movie, they were fighting. Yeah. And then Bucky left. And then Bucky left. And, and for two years, they haven't seen him. So maybe he did it during the research. But getting maybe. back, getting back to this, they make Cap always makes everyone feel like morally, morally inferior. Like mm-hmm. that is just his shtick. Like he is the Boy Scout. He's the one who will always do what's right. And um, and they make Tony always seem like the aggressor. But Cap lies by omission. And, like, he lies by omission, then he blatantly lies, and then he finally tells the truth. And so, like, in this sort of, in like, in this way, it feels a lot like character assassination. Because, you know, Captain America's not my favorite character. I don't dislike him. He's just, he's Cap. He's not for me. I read his books. Sometimes I really enjoy it. But he's not a liar. And now he's a liar. And he's a liar because he thinks he's doing what's right. But the man killed his his parents. Yeah. And then he saw him kill his parents. He's like, it's not his fault. That may be. But things have to be done. And you're just like, nope, he deserves to walk away. Now, I can say the same thing about Scarlet Witch. I, know, I, I, I totally see it because she, you know, went out of her way to help Von Strucker and, you know, like Ultron. I get it. I get it. But I don't think she killed anybody. That we know. Bucky of. killed some people. Bucky killed some people, but, and that's my and that's my thing is that mm. I. But then at that point, so take that as your as, as your premise for it. Take out the fact that, and you know, Brian, you said that Bucky is Cap's closest friend. How is he? 
because Cap came out of the ice. I meant growing oh, up. They no, were... no, I get that, but but look at this pretense that this is his closest friend and he's got to protect him. Look at it from the perspective of this fight is happening because he's trying to be Tony's friend and not let Tony kill someone. That's true. Too. Look at it from that perspective. But see, you know, I I don't think that motives are always cut and dry. Well, no, and I'm yeah, I'm, right. I'm not saying that this is I'm not saying that that's the only thing. But look at it from both perspectives. So it's his friend. Yeah. He's trying to help him, but at the same time, if your friend from from the Booster Projects, your girlfriend, from Detroit, your, Michigan. Your, from World War One, too. Sorry, Coco Montrese with a with a with her big wig. Her her good cousin from the Booster Projects comes out. Let's say it's somebody from your past, and then you were super super close to you. You haven't seen in forever. You find out this information, and then your let's say your quote unquote your best friend now. You find out that there is something that he's going to go after that person. There's a whole gamut of things that you're going to try to do. You're going to try to protect the person that you were super close to in your past. But at the same time, you're not going to let your friend kill this person. No, I, I, my thing is Steve always thinks he's right and he makes terrible mistakes. That's the thing. He admonishes people in this movie because he's like, you know, it's not his fault. He doesn't attempt to help him. He attempts to help him run away. And what good is that going to do? He's like, yeah, like, you know, we need to figure out what's really going on. And that conceit, like, Baron Zemo is a conceit. Like, he he's the, he's the driving factor of, you know, for all this stuff that's happening. And then you realize it's not, and I like that trick where you realize it's not that important. Yeah. None of this is important. The whole uh, super soldier thing in Russia was a red herring. Yeah. Complete. And and that's cool. But the, the thing is, is that, you know, Tony Tony is, is blinded by guilt. Steve is blinded by loyalty that may not be deserved anymore. But at some point, Steve realizes that you know, I, I, this is just things have gone sideways, and Tony's still willing to help, but Steve just takes it upon himself. There's like, I know what's right. I'm going to do this. Like, and literally, like, so hundreds of millions of people just don't matter. Like these governments, yes, governments can be corrupt, but I got news for you. When the United Nations says, "Hey, you need to listen to us." Because you can't be like just these autonomous gods among men that maybe what you think is right isn't a uh, right 100% of the time. Well, hold on. Like you're, you're a fallible creature. L- well, let's, let's, let's explain why. When did he grow up? He grew up before the United Nations was really a thing. There was that whole League of I'm, Nations. I'm aware. Okay. And then he was a for his formidable or his, his you know his years of development impressionable years yes his impressionable years were during the time when these uh these dictators these larger than life leaders took over government to get their will done and then he comes out of the Still ice where? we have fucking shield and then before that the world council both fucking up royally so of course he doesn't trust 
I mean, Steve is a libertarian of sorts. I'm not saying he's capital L libertarian, but he absolutely, and this is true in the comics too, for the most part, it comes and goes. He is a guy who does not trust the motives of large corporate or governmental entities because he has seen time and again them fail, and his only compass in life is his code of honor and his definition. And yes, he's sanctimonious as hell. No, but what but, I'm saying is it's flawed, and he yeah, knows of course, it's flawed. Of course. Because anytime you have a code of honor and ethics and you have to lie to somebody yeah. because you think you're helping, like you can't fight for the people and not listen to the people like that doesn't that doesn't compute and i think that's why i have an issue um with the way this plays out even though i really like the movie i think that they took a flaw of captain america and they understood it and they did it anyway thinking that it absolves him in some capacity because friendship will out like no you like what you did to your to your friend the person who you may not have always agreed with, who, you know, has risked his life for you and vice versa, you lied to him. You lied to him about something that devastates him and you still think it's okay. You're just like, if you need me, I'm going to be over here. Fuck what you know. Fuck everything else. I'm going to do what I think is right. Even if I have to hurt all of these people in the process, he breaks into the raft. He fucks those people up. Yeah. But he's supposed to protect people like that. That doesn't compute. That doesn't compute. I don't know. It didn't bother me at all. And I and I didn't like Pat asked me at the lunch before we saw. He's like, "Oh, are you team Cap, team Iron Man?" At the time, I didn't have a side. Oh, I'm straight up. You know what? I I always say that I'm team Cap because Scarlet Witch was on it. Right. Um, and you saw how they treated me. Yeah, of course. But oh, you you did a number on Vision though. No, mm-hmm. that was. But like principles wise, I'm team. I'm Team Stark. I'm Team Iron Man. And I totally came out of this Team Cap. Totally came out of this Team Cap. And, and not that I'm not sympathetic to both sides, because I still feel like there's there's obviously validity in both, which is why it's so compelling, you know, unlike Superman Batman. But in this case, like, government had probably good intention, but its execution was uh, – what's his name? Ross? Not Thunderbolt Ross, but the other yeah, – Everett. Th- Everett Ross. Not th- Everett he's, not, he's not Thunderbolt. Yeah, it's Thunderbolt Ross. In Is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes so much more sense. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. okay, so uh, William Hurt's played two different people. He no. just didn't look anything like. Yeah. Okay, okay, good. All right, well, that, that makes more sense then. Anyway, like, he totally took this and went all crazy uh, Dick Cheney on it, you know, like setting up the raft, and which is cool. When, they, when I realized that's what I think they even said, and you're like, oh, my God, they're doing the raft. That's so cool. Because they can't do 42. But like, oh, they can't. No, no, it's owned by Marvel, uh, by Fox. Because oh. Fantastic Four. Like, oh. and that's the thing. Like, as is for the issues I have with this movie, I still think they did it really well. Yeah. Like, you know, that version of Red Wing seeing oh, a, a awesome. fully dude, int- Red Wing just bopping him on the fucking head yeah. was amazing. To see a fully integrated Spider-Man. Oh wow. You yes. know, Black Panther. Black being Panther was badass. A- yes. I love that Wakanda. Which I always, well, not always, which I have recently, I think since Hickman and, and Jason Aaron wrote it, and then most recently, um, Takei's, what's his name, Mark Carter? Ta-Nehisi Coates. Thank you. I can't say his name. Oh. Sorry. I, I, I well, we, did we, we talked about that, right? The first issue? We'll, 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 yeah. we'll get to that in the comments section. I love the Wakandan idea, and I love that they showed, not enough, but I mean, they'll get there with his movie, 
But I love what they showed of it and that whole thing. As much as there is sort of like you were saying, the shoehorning of that into it, that's the vector to get to, to get T'Challa and T'Chaka and all of them into this story. I love that part of it. I really, really mm-hmm. dug Black Panther. Even his costume with the, the sort of necklace type thing, which in some versions is a straight up necklace, I think. Right. Uh, but in this, it was like this cool, like, I don't know, some vibranium thing. Like, very well executed. The fight scene between, you know, Team Captain Iron Man that we all see in the trailers, very well executed. Yeah. Funny, though I will say overall this movie wasn't as funny as Marvel typically does. But with some little bits of humor here and there. And overall, like you said, Spider-Man, Ant-Man, all these characters mixed together. It was so there was much a fun. sense of adventure. The oh, adventure very much. that Batman v Superman lacked in It space. wasn't just people pummeling each other into the concrete. Well, and it wasn't it wasn't joke heavy. No. But it was done with even the the, the battle scenes especially were done with levity in mind. We're still friends after this, right? Depends yeah, on how you, hard you hit me or whatever. Like, that's great. That's what I expect of seeing Avengers fight Avengers or, you know, good guys fight good guys. Like, I expect there to be some amount of, look, we're just doing this to do it, right? This is just a thing. We'll get past this and we'll be fine. But what I also loved about the movie is at the was end of the Giant day. Was Giant Man? Well, Giant Man was amazing, too. But at the end of the day, the status quo has changed. And I was really worried when they sort of seemed to wrap up a little bit at one point when he sees the the, the body of the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, oh, they're going to wrap this up and it's going to be like, who cares, Civil War's over. No, they made this the new status quo and that is more interesting to me than than otherwise. Which is, yeah, like I, I, I like the way they leave things open. I like the sort of pieces that fit together and split apart and the cracks in the foundation – like I, I see it, and and I appreciate it for that. I just, you know, as much as I liked it, and as much as, as awesome as Scarlet Witch was, <laughs> like I always have the same problems. Is that, you know, you have these characters. All, all someone always has to bite it, like character wise. They always have to be undermined. You know, whether it's Jean Grey and going Dark Phoenix, whether it's Scarlet Witch you know, being used as a scapegoat. Like, they just drag people through the mud, and it's just... It's character assassination. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they have to be this certain way. I'm just saying that I wish they had found another way to bring about the same the same issues, mm. but not using, you know, people as sort of like this plot device. Because that's ultimately what Scarlet Witch does. She doesn't develop any as a character. She's just used as this like plot driving yeah. device, she totally, and it makes me sad. She played the role of speedball in this thing. Yeah. Um, I would you think of the uh, Scarlet Witch, Vision, Hawkeye? I'd ship it. <laughs> when that happened, I'm sitting the, there like, the, it wasn't. Ah! It wasn't a Hawkeye like triangle. No, Hawkeye feels guilt. My point and is, he's, no, no, no. I get what you're saying, but you, because you said this in the car yesterday as yeah. well after the movie, it's not like a triangle in that respect. No, no, no. I know. It's the he's married. I, I get no, it. No, but it's no, no, no. It's not even that. Forget all of that. The interaction in that scene is almost like father and then daughter and this budding romance. 
because Hawkeye has this sense of responsibility. Oh, because he because killed Quicksilver. Quicksilver died for oh, him. Yeah, that's right. That's where that whole. That's the only reason that he's even really in that scene. Yeah, yeah. is because he has that he feels responsible for her, which actually real quick i'm glad that you enjoyed that part because it was kind of cute the way that they put the two of them together uh or at least in those scenes so it took tony having this interaction with this mother at an elevator and do all this yet scarlet witch's brother died because of ultron and she's a part of the team and around them and that didn't set him off that didn't start him on this guilt trip of what did I do and we need to be stopped. That's what I'm talking about. Like that, that to me would have been like it had he started having these. It just, yeah, it, it, it just kind of threw me that that was. Can we talk about Sharon Carter for a second? Because I Must did look we? this up. Sharon Carter in the comics, and I forgot this, is the younger sister of Peggy Carter. How, what the? F- uh-huh. How much younger? Oh, uh, well. But remember, this was is, her mama still giving birth at like 98? Sharon, God damn. Sharon Carter came out, or was it, it doesn't say in here. What does it say? She actually first appeared in 66. That was a oh, less wow. than or around 20 years after World War II. So, admittedly, it could work in that context. But in this context, she is the what? Grand niece. She's the, the niece of. Just the niece? She just says Aunt Peggy. Aunt she Peggy. doesn't, we assume, great Aunt Peggy. Because of the age disparity, because Sharon uh, Peggy would have been what in her late late eighties nineties, right? Somewhere she, in that ballpark she'd be up there, yeah. Because I mean, she was. They showed her in Ant Man. That was the last time we saw her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe aged, and that yeah. was what in the eighties, nineties, eighties, eighties. And she was, and she was older. She was, you know, yeah. later in her life. So for her to die in present, the big letters that show up in front of you in the 3D, present, um, yeah, they would have had to, they had to slide Sharon down to make her that, that young. It was also interesting that I forgot like their flirty flirtiness in the previous movie. I guess there was a little bit of that. And then that sort of was consummated by at least a kiss in this movie. But I love Sharon Carter in the comics, so I'm very happy that she is now Sharon Carter, not Agent 13, sort of in the background. Um, but um, Marissa Tomei. <gasps> well, I forgot that she was cast as Aunt May. I didn't realize she was cast as Aunt May until like like a day before. I'm like, Marissa Tomei's in this movie? He's like, Aunt May? I'm like, alright. Every iteration of Spider-Man Aunt May gets younger yep. and hotter. Yep. So you go from old Aunt May, who's you know the the, the gray haired caretaker, to Sally Fields. I forget who played her in the original trilogy. Oh God. I, whoever no. she was, and then she was Sally Fields in the Amazing Spider Man, mm-hmm. and now she's Marissa Tomei. It's it's kind of Tony Stark's in there going, "You're uh, what is it? You're uncharacteristically it hot and or something yeah. like that." It was pretty funny. Like everything about Spider Man in this film is amazing, and I, I'm very happy that Marvel and them have worked this out, and it's gonna make for a really strong Spider Man movie. So, as I long think. as they don't call it Homecoming, because that's the worst well, fucking title. That title is kind ever. of ever. But <laughs> he was like, I have to take a hint of shade, just a, just a scuff. <laughs> every time they, every time they were reciting the words in Russian, and they said Homecoming, 
I was like, are we just trying to get this buried into people's yeah. brains so that way they'll be ready for Spider-Man Homecoming? It's called seeding. Yes. Seeding. Yes. Is that another? T- no, I'm sorry. Um, you're that's, disgusting. What? That's a whole other I crown. I think a rule for that. In front jewel of on the crown. So, are, any other thoughts on Civil War? Um, Giant Man. Giant Man, yes. Whoop the doom. L- listen, we knew it was coming yeah. because it was in the fucking toys. Oh, yeah, the toys spoiled it like oh, a year ago because in the Lego set it had oh. a giant man figure. Really? Yes. Oh, I need to the, get... oh, you 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 read about it and forgot it three seconds later. <gasps> Probably. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, overall. But I love that Legends of Tomorrow, like DC. When you were saying DC, like tries to respond. Uh huh. Like they were like, "Bitch, we gonna do this beforehand." They so totally what did they did. have Adam do on last or two weeks ago on uh-huh. Legends of Tomorrow? Yep. He's like, "I tried this once before." If I if if it doesn't work, I may just be blown, you know, be be ripped apart. And Adam all of a sudden turns into I don't know what giant Adam there, there is. There is no, yeah, <laughs> the DC's <laughs> never done that. They pulled but, the the Ant Man Giant Man thing two weeks or a week and a half before Civil War came out, and Scott Lang got to do it. Overall, I give Civil War B plus, B plus. Okay. I would I would say A minus. Yeah, I'd say I mean I'd probably give it just a, a flat A. I wouldn't give it an A plus. So overall, it was. It it kept me awake for <laughs> the two hours and how many minutes? Two hours and forty five minutes. Two it hours was and thirty five minutes. Longish movie, yeah. It, it did seem to take a little bit to get to certain parts, but you know, it worked. Since we're talking about like people in movies, let's talk about Scarlett Johansson. Okay. And how she's stealing roles from Japanese women. Let me just say this: I love Ghost in the Shell a lot. That is probably my favorite anime. I like Mizaki. I like some other stuff. Pause, Ava. pause for a second. What? Am I good? Do I need to start building tension yes. and rage? Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is the point of the Jared, show I'll, that you've I'll all been you, waiting for. Jared, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. Excuse me, everyone, while this, I this, silently seethe and boil. This this is for our our listener Tomcat Cub, who, oh, yes. who loves when Oral yells at Brian, as stated in his. Uh, lovely review of us on iTunes. <laughs> Which you can also do. If you go to iTunes, you can write and review us, and we would really love that, and we might read it on the show. Tomcat Cub, when you hear this episode, feel free to comment so we know your name and not just Tomcat Cub. I feel like Oral's like Black Panther right now. He's like done this like claws deploy thing, and he's Ching. sitting there with his little uh, he is his now nail running. file. He's just sitting there. just back. And he is forth. now running after you on the motorcycle, like ready to pop the tires. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I love Ghost in the Show. I really do. In fact... Ghost in the Shell, I, I haven't got it yet, but the new Arise, have you seen that? The new the new ones? I've 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 seen bits and pieces of what's to come. Okay. I've watched the first two. It's okay. It's not as good as to me what is the pinnacle, which is um standalone complex, right? That's my favorite. Those two seasons are a brilliant, brilliant anime and adaptation of the original graphic novel. Having said all that, when I watch that show, and I mean the original, I mean the 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 the, the movies, the the Ghost in the Shell, standalone complex, even the new one. Uh, Motoko, uh, the general, so they usually call her, is a very Anglo-looking person, character, body, cyborg, whatever. Okay. I don't feel like they give her visually. And this is a trope in anime. This isn't just her, but this happens. They don't give her what I would think of are like Japanese features or Asian like features. That's just the way I read it. So when they announced that Scarlett Johansson 
was cast. I was like, ah, Scarlett Johansson is not my favorite actress. I, I like Black Widow. She does a great job. But I was like, eh, I don't, that's not my thing. But whatever. I'm fine with it. I'm okay with it not being a Japanese actress because she's a cyborg. The body is fake. And in that universe, it could very well be that this this character has this Anglo, you know, sort of Western Caucasian body type. Okay. Whereas she's actually the ghost of someone named Motoko Kusanagi. So I'm like, it doesn't bother me. I guess that's what I'm saying is it does not bother me in this case that a Japanese character is being portrayed by a, uh, you know, a Caucasian actress or whatever. So tell me why I'm wrong. Um, I'm ambivalent towards this. Um, I, on one hand I am, irate about you know this this is an anime this takes place in japan so why is there not a japanese actress being selected to play motoko but on the other hand a lot of um western viewers who have seen standalone complex know that the voice actress for motoko is mary elizabeth mcglynn and she is a white woman i'm sorry <laughs> um but I would not want to rule out that perhaps there is a very husky Japanese actress who I don't know exists, but that's because I have a very limited scope as far as like what actresses are out there. Sure. Maybe Hollywood should get off its ass and find out, hey, there's some talent out there that may be able to fit this role. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, anyway, so, oral. <laughs> One day... I hope sometime in the near future, but I won't hold my breath. I won't have to repeat the following statement. When you write a story or you adapt something, the default isn't always set to white. And that's what I have an issue with, is that her last name is Kusanagi. It is set in Japan. Yes, she's a cyborg. Yes, it's a trope of anime. But we all understand, anytime we're watching an anime set in Japan, mm -hmm. where everyone is Japanese, she's ba not. Bato's not. Bato's not. I'm just saying. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. You're, you're making me think of the uh, live-action Rooney Kenshin film. Exactly. That. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, watch it. Okay. Is it bad? Like, No, it's just, it's it's Japanese actors. Oh, okay. Japanese time. Japanese period film. It's, it, it works. Yeah, yeah. It works. <laughs> Battleship Yamato, I think, is the same idea. Okay. It's all Japanese cast. And, and so people just like, I don't understand why, you know, people are so upset. It's because you have these depictions. It's, you know... It's not a two-way street. You can't say, you know, well, why can't you make Black Panther white? It's like, that doesn't make sense. Like, Black Panther is black. He's from Africa. He should be played by a black man, hopefully of African descent, which he is. What makes me mad about Scarlett Johansson, and I have nothing against her, it's just, like, this is, this seems um, to smell like, and it's a smack in the face to we're going to make this for this wide stream audience and we know what they want is someone who's white who's like this Hollywood standard of pretty and that's not 
a knock to her at Scarlett Johansson at all. It's like it's like you didn't care. No, she's she's Lady Jesus. Yeah. She's Lady White Jesus. Yeah, and like you don't like this doesn't make sense, and like it doesn't bother you because why would it bother you to see someone on screen who looks like you, Brian? Why would it bother you? But I don't need it to be that either. You don't, don't need it because you are a part of the majority. Well, no, no, no. Where everything is set to you. Like the world presents itself as this sort of white thing that you are to consume. And so when minorities get really upset because we're saying you're whitewashing characters, you're taking what little we have, and you're just like, we don't understand why you're so upset. We're upset because it's just like trans people. When people say, you know, like, you know, where are all these people coming from? They've been here this entire time. You just choose not to listen to us. You choose not to pay attention. But you misattribute you misattribute that to the rest of the majority, quote unquote, of white people. That is not we are I am never said that I need to not have representation. I do, that I you 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 assign this negative attribute to the fact that I am not outraged by it. No, when I am, not, I'm, that's not what I said. No, no, you did. That's it's, not it's, what I said. Well, that's what came what across. What I said, what I said was, I don't think of you as an aggressor. But no, I think that I we, think that complacency we, is just as dangerous, right, as being against us. And I have, and I am, I am here to tell you that I think the vast majority of people would rather see a diverse representation in the world and not see a mirror in front of them. I feel like that is a healthy thing that people want to see. I don't want to go out and have fucking fried chicken every night or or you know steak and baked potatoes. I want to have a diversity of things in my life to make me a more well-rounded, well-connected member of humanity. That, I think, is the default. But what I hate... I fucking hate is when I feel like these people get outraged online and they point their finger at the people they perceive as sitting on their ass, not having a problem and thinking that they are complicit in this. I'm not complicit. We're not complicit in this. I see a character in this story that is depicted as a white woman in an Asian society. And so when you cast a white woman, I don't care what her name is. I don't have a problem, and I don't think that the creators are racist. I don't think the movie uh, movie makers are trying to be, you know, diminishing to Japanese. I, I understand wanting to have that, and that's fine. But what I have a problem is, is when it is misattributed that they are doing something that is bad, and I don't like it because I think it is not accurate. I never, I never said. Racist. I'm not saying just you. you no, know, I never said racist. What but I we've said talked what, about this. Yes, topic. but what I said was. The default for entertainment seems to be white. And that's bad. I agree. And you you are upset when you think that people point the finger and say, you're not helping. You're just as bad. Yes. What we're saying is when you don't say anything at all, you know, there's... How but not every this? situation you don't, is... You don't, you don't have to justify your feelings to me. You don't. And in the same vein... I don't have to justify my frustration to you. I'm frustrated at the system. I'm frustrated that in this day and age, when we're literally filming something that's supposed to be in Japan, the main character who's fucking Japanese is not a person of color. But she's that's not Japanese. But, but see, here's the thing. This here's is my thing. No, this is the devil is in the detail here. If she was a Japanese princess, okay, fucking Mulan or whatever. 
great as Mulan Japanese. I feel like I just She's totally Chinese. Oh shit! Not a princess. Right. I apologize to everybody. But do you understand She's the a point? Disney princess, if not right? this was not in the future where there is cybernetic bodies, which I know Ghost in the Shell like back of my fucking hand, and it is a cybernetic body. She goes through a couple of them in the show. I understand that. If this was, like I said, Japanese princess or whatever, and you cast a white bitch, I would be upset. As much as you are, because that is not right. And we do it all the time, and I have a problem with it. But in this case, that we are talking about right now, she is a cyborg. She is a Japanese ghost, because her name is Motoko Kusanagi. I get that. But she is in a body that is drawn and depicted as a white, Caucasian bombshell, for lack of a better term. That's how it is. So when you cast a white... Caucasian bombshell, I don't have a problem. I'm not saying there are other things that are bad. I get it. I agree. We've talked about this. There's another thing we haven't even got to, which is the whole ancient one being recast by Tilda Swinton. That I actually get, and I agree with. Although at least it's a woman. You know, it's a little See, different. And I don't I don't know any of this. I don't know Ghost in the Shell. I know mm -hmm. of it. My my outrage wouldn't come with Scarlett Johansson. If it's set in Japan and it's all white people that are cast as your the rest of your cast, then yeah, then yeah. that's horrible. That's, that's uh, complete whitewashing. Context, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. If I'm... if the rest of the cast is Japanese or you have your majority Japanese and you have these other characters that could potentially be white, black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever whatever they are, then then okay, then you've got you've got that, and then you're you're main character um like brian is saying you know if, if she's drawn or in depicted in in pictures from the actual creator and in the original text and and mangas then that's one thing if it's all white bitches just walking around japan okay horrific and that's I don't horrible like that. i know that makes sense to me and they've done it they've done it badly and it's now in this day and age you shouldn't be able to get away with that i totally agree you know it's and, and it, it's a, it's a, it, I, I see the cyborg. I see the cyborg. And yeah, and, and Oral, I'm, I'm not jumping into this and saying this to disagree with you no, and your outrage no. with everything. I, I agree with the outrage and, and the way that certain things are cast. And I'm, but at the same point, like I'm just trying to put this one, this one instance, the yeah. Scarlett Johansson casting. No, because all they've talked about is Scarlett Johansson. They haven't really talked about, from what I've seen, because it, this made such news because it is yeah. a Japanese-based property but see here's here's the thing there are rumors somewhat substantiated that when oh, the, the yeah. special effects people came in yeah quote unquote unbeknownst to scarlett johansson they made attempts to make her look more japanese okay see that that's just that's awful. the part that, that, that and so in, like in, this is this, and this is what i'm talking about and i never oh, read sure i never read the primary source of that one so i'm a little leery of it it's like it's like, like what it they're trying be. to pull with Nina Simone. Yes, because you're right. Absolutely. You know, Zoe Saldana is supposed to portray Nina Simone, black as fuck, militant as all hell, <laughs> Nina Simone. But they want, you know, what their idea of like mainstream, like media consumers, like moviegoers, to go see this movie so they can feel elevated, so they can know what it's like to be a part of this like really militant Black Panther movement. But they went with someone who is like the lightest shade of light, who has really until recently 
claimed her like Afro like centric heritage. And they're like, no, they put her in prosthetics, you know, to make her look like she had more Negroid features. Like my nose is like a black nose. It is, it is wide. It is somewhat flat. Like this is what I look like. I wouldn't expect somebody who looks like DeBarge to play me (laughs) in my like motion picture movie. Like what I'm saying is when you have characters, whether they be fictional, whether they be, and you know, I've said it about Spider-Man where Spider-Man or Batman can be anybody because it's about the mantle. And I get Ghost in the Shell. I get it. What I'm saying is they are going out of their way to not include someone who, not to say they have the right for it, you know, they may have searched far and wide, really wide, couldn't find the right person. Scarlett Johansson came along and are like, yes, this makes sense. And that's that's the terrible thing about production, too, is that they run on schedules, and if they select people, it's it's like a job. It's like a job interview. If you don't fill the position... We gotta find somebody who can. Yeah. No. I did do a little research while you were talking, and it looks like the story about the effects is in question. The effects studio that said that they did it for a background character, not Scarlett Johansson, that it was for a background character to try to do something that uh, ultimately discarded. Um, but it was related to that. Um, this was an effects company that was not contracted for the movie. So there is some dispute as far – and this is the thing about social media, and this really is what gets down to. I'm not – obviously, we're fine. Everything's yeah. cool. I only get outraged at people who I feel like are, are misattributing motive. And in this case, I think the motive is simple. It's profit. They want to make a movie that sells money. That's going to drive 99% of their decisions. They're going to try to make it as as, as uh, appropriate to the comic property, which it's a comic – and I actually will say the the Oshi film, the original, she is a lot more what I would consider uh, Japanese mm-hmm. uh, features. Everything else, the manga included, which is the original source, and the Ghost in the Shell, she does look more Caucasian with the purple hair and everything. But uh, being having said all that, the, the motive is profit. And they're going to go with a leading actress like a Scarlett Johansson because mm-hmm. she's an anchor. That's the real reason. It's not a racist thing. It's not a whitewash thing. It's nope, just nope. Mm-mm. It's just to no, sell. No, no, I can't. I can't sign on to that. You know what, Brian? Here's the thing. Tell and me. I'm, not, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to phrase this. If it was a okay, tell I'm me trying right to now. This and I'm not as, saying they don't exist, but you're telling me Hollywood does not routinely cast well-known stars in roles to try to put butts in seats. No, they, that's not what, a They no, do, no. but the but the problem is. That they're all white. Well, and like, I'm not saying that's, it's right. That's the biggest yeah. problem. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's why they're thinking it. Yeah. They're not Brian, thinking. Think, okay, I'm going to use. No, I'm sorry, Joe. Oh no, it's it's fine. It's just it's it's this terrible cycle where they they hire these people that have star power, right. but they have star power because they're hired. I get that. Yeah. I totally get that. But I'm just saying that's their motive. Mm-hmm. So, that's the thing that's driving them. Yeah. I'm right I'm, or wrong. I'm going to say I'm going to use um, sex. And I'm going to use race. Nobody thought Bridesmaids would ever do as well as it did because nobody wants to go see a movie, a comedy movie, where women are the protagonists. They're the main drivers. And then when Bridesmaids blows up, it's this like out of left field sort of thing. Right. Okay? 
straight out of Compton, you know, got critically acclaimed. People went to go see it in droves, but nobody would ever want to see this movie because the main leads are all like black rappers. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have people who don't even get thought of in roles for big budget movies. You have some, you have some, like you have Denzel Washington, Wesley Snipes, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, Sam Jackson, Don Cheadle. Every once in a while, you'll have your breakout stars, and that's when people say, oh, well, you know, things are changing in Hollywood, where people are still playing maids. Viola Davis, maid. Octavia Spencer, maid. These are women who people applaud, and we cry because they're dark-skinned black women who have made some name for themselves, who have fought and scraped and, and made it to some sort of zenith. Right. But they know that at some point, things that they should have gotten will never go to them. Yeah. Roles that can be colorblind casted will never go to them because there is an institution in place that prevents people of all nationalities, of all skin tones, out of the limelight. Mm-hmm. It's like Hamilton. Hamilton is the biggest musical on Broadway right now where it is pretty much, except for like two people, one of which was Jonathan Groff, are all black. It's an all, I'm not going to say all black, an all cast of color. Right. Right? It is the founding fathers. It is a portrayal of one of the founding fathers. This musical means so much to so many people because those doors for Broadway and for theater. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Have exclusively been so white for so long. I, you know what? It's funny. Growing up, I always thought, you know what? I think I might want to go into theater. And then I realized I can do a raisin in the sun and I could do fucking Lion King. Yeah. And so you, you know... Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, Brian. I'm not saying and I, I see think... it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up here. Back up here. No, no, you no. You mean no. the royal you, no, right? No, 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 Just because you don't have a problem with it no, no, doesn't no, no. mean back it's up, not a back problem. Back up, back up, back up. Who has said I have a problem with it? You're, again, you're misattributing. No, I'm not. I'm not. Royal I'm not you talking, here. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm just making I'm sure. What I'm saying is, 
is that, I know they like hearing us fight, yeah. but this isn't a fight. <laughs> I what, I, what I'm saying is there are issues. And when people, and a lot of times where where I get so heated mm -hmm. and why you see so much aggression online is that for so long, we are the downtrodden people. Like, the royal we. Mm -hmm. And we've been nice, and we have asked, and we have begged, and we have demeaned ourselves. And nothing changed. So now we're going to get in your face. Now we're going to call you out. And even if you think, well, I don't know. I sort of don't see it that way. Doesn't mean that you're right. Doesn't mean that I'm right. Yeah. What it means is, is that there's a fucking problem. Right. And unless you talk about it, and unless you stand up and say, fuck this, this is wrong, we're, we're not going to be silent. And I'm all for having the conversation, but where I have a problem, I'll tell you right now, is when it gets to that point. And it's not because I'm in a position of privilege. I believe fundamentally that conversations need to be civil and they need to be productive. And if they're not productive, then you go to that next level. And that's where you guys are feeling. And I – I don't How see, have they been productive? I don't, How oh, have they been we productive? We have come a long way. And I'm not saying we're done. I'm not saying we're done. But you're telling me right now in 2016 that there, are, there have not been improvements over the past 40 years. In my lifetime, I have seen it. And I'm not saying it's not fast enough either. But I am seeing steady progress in the way representation's out there. We would not have, at least in the gay community, the representation that we do have now if it were not for people giving, having this conversation, living their lives as out gay people in a positive role. And that's what I want. And I want this for all colors and creeds and, and genders and everything. But when it gets to the point where we start pointing fingers and getting nasty, I don't feel it's productive. That's how I am. That's me. That's how I live my life. I believe it. Uh, we have to have these conversations. Absolutely, uh, and well, we do, and no, this no, no, is no. good. The when we have to get in our in people's faces about these things, that's when change begins to happen because it is that complacency where it's. And I don't believe that. I, I don't believe it's only that. I yeah, should it's, say it's not only. That, Obviously, revolution does make change. Mm -hmm. No question. Mm -hmm. We've had some. I mean, Stonewall in your face. This is the revolution, right? But I don't. I. I, I just, this is the revolution right here, right now. People who are fighting for trans rights, people who are saying, your definition of me, for you, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, is, is that I am not good enough. Do you that know, I don't deserve to be reflected in life. Do you know the study that they did recently that talked about in Miami, they did the uh, trans rights. They went around and basically proved that by going door to door... And not yelling at people on social media, but actually engaging directly one-on-one, -on -one, they changed uh, a majority of the voters' minds on trans rights. That's what I'm saying. We need to have one-on-one -on -one conversations, real people to real people, not on fucking Tumblr and Twitter and Facebook. That's what I'm so fucking sick of is seeing these the, people uh, on their – Armchair activists. Right. Yeah. I will get out there in the streets and I will talk to you one-on-one -on -one and we will have a conversation and we will resolve this one person at a time. The alternative is turning people off. That's why you have North Carolina, because you have a bunch of bigots who feel like they are threatened by these trans people in their bathrooms because of the, the stuff they're seeing, when if they just actually met a trans person and had a fucking conversation one-on-one, -on -one, they'd realize, oh, gee, they're just like us. And that's what I advocate for. I want to get out. Everyone who listens to this show, if you have a cause like this, if you're a Bernie guy or a Hillary guy, get off your fucking ass and go out and volunteer for them. 
go talk to people one on one and have a productive conversation and change their minds that way. Brian, I mean, you agree, I think, right? I I agree into a point, but I, I want you to know that I I unabashedly am myself all day, every day. I know you are. I know you. That's you why know, I love the, you. The, the, the way you the are. way I look, my voice. I am me 100% of the time. Absolutely. I am nice to people that I've never met. I find comfort in formality. But I got news for you. If you're not going to like me or you have an issue with with me or like my people, I'm going to I'm going to have issues with you. Sure. And being I I I can't tell you how many times I have or I have heard, you know, or, or been there for firsthand accounts where, you know, People who, you know, will smile at you and say hello and you seem like you're making this really awesome, like, progressive dialogue will literally turn their back to you when they're done. I know. It's true. And work actively to screw you over. So what I'm saying is it's great if you can be nice to people. By all means, I think everyone should be able to talk. But I am not in any way, shape, or form going to gonna think that my aggression and my rage at the way society actively each and every fucking day works against me fuck it fuck you fuck it all that's what i'm angry about and that's what going back to this is is that you think sometimes and and now i'm addressing you you think sometimes that you get more flies with honey. Yes. And sometimes what I say to you is burn that fucker down and take what you can. And I don't believe that. But and the, you don't have to. Civil war. The problem the problem is, and first off, I love your passion, but don't break my fucking table, bitch. I don't nice care. Ikea table. My God, you break my goddamn table, I'm going to break you. Second, this is how civil war starts. You're both right. This is the thing. And this is where... This is where where Aww. these things don't find that common ground because you're both right. You have a portion of the the population that is against a cause or against something that you're able to talk to and have conversations with and give them factual evidence to make them go, oh wait a minute, I was just going by what I saw on Facebook or this headline I saw on a newspaper or on whatever news channel and didn't really think anything about but said oh well trans people must be bad we keep them out of our keep them out of our bathrooms you um, know, ultimately what it comes down to is the people in power aren't going to give a fuck unless you make them give a fuck well no 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 and, 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 and some, let me let me let me finish this so that's that's that piece of it but at the same time then you have you have that portion of the population obviously there's a portion of the population that's going to fight actively against this we see this in north carolina with hb2 that's where you take that anger and that aggression and that and that rage and you turn that passion into actively marching on or boycotting or doing these things to make that difference. And you take both of those sides and then you can turn the tide and get the majority to back that. Because you're, I would love to say that at some point there's going to be 100% unity on, on any of these issues. There's not. Maybe in, in a thousand years as those old traits maybe die out, but it's not going to be in our lifetime. You're not going to see that racism go away. You're not going to see bigots go away. You're not going to see those people that are actively working to take away our rights. 
And I'll throw it in there for, I, yeah, I pass as white, but I'm Puerto Rican and I'm gay. Okay, so I, I fit into two, two of those extra minority boxes. But, you know, in our lifetime, they're trying to take away those rights that we have. So, yes, should, should people go out and, and actively try to have those progressive, positive conversations to sway them? Absolutely. Should people get angry and upset and use that passion to drive them to really passion, you know, march on, march on Washington, march on, on um, their, their state houses and do all this stuff and, and make their voices heard and be that revolution? Yeah. That's, if you don't have both of those people working together to do this, you're not going to make a change. I'm not saying that, like, and that's the thing, like, I, I am not saying that Brian doesn't have the right to be nice and, you know, go through, like, legal channels and such like that. And I'm, I'm not, not saying, advocating. I'm not saying you don't have the right to be angry bricks. either. No, you know what, right. what I'm saying, though, is you can be, you can be mad, but the way you phrase the beginning of your argument is that you made it seem like we are a part of the problem. The people who are actively angry, you make it seem like we're a part of the problem. But we're like, that's that's not that's not necessarily the case. I think that aggression can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes soft voices will not be heard. And so you have to raise your voices. Yes, Jared, I see you. We have to punch you up all the time. I raise that level. Well, no, but that's exactly the thing. But And you just stated the issue. The first part of his sentence, you stopped listening to what he was saying. So, yes, maybe the, maybe the way his intro and the way his mind makes that, that intro needs to be changed. But at the same time, you need to be able to get past that, hear the whole message, and then decide whether or not it's worth listening to. No, absolutely. Yeah, but that, and, and I'm not, and I'm not saying either of you are wrong. Yeah. But this is this is where I think it comes down to an issue. This is the biggest issue, is people take that that aggressive stance right away, and other people don't stop to listen to the message behind it, because whether or not they think that that aggressive message is right or wrong, if they think it's right, they're all for it. If they think it's wrong, right off the bat. And aggressive isn't the right way to say it. They look at, they'll take a, they'll take whatever the other person is saying and they'll stop before listening to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And we're both fighting for the same thing. We're on the same side of this. We're on the same side to make change we're happen. We're all superheroes. <laughs> we're all, we're all in the raft together trying to break the fuck out. But it, you guys are both, both fighting for the same thing. Yes. And both, both of your diatribes had the same outcome. You know, and this changing is, this. This is I could tell you exactly what this is. This is the late eighties, like late seventies, early eighties, when Brian's in his three piece suit and I'm in act up. Oh. <laughs> nice. Evil persists when good men do nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. So at, at the core of it all is that so when is to do something. Donald Trump rises. It's because we're all just, you know, fighting amongst ourselves, and I feel like that's a healthy part of the issue right now, at least with the Bernie and Hillary. People. Well, we have we haven't gotten to that portion. Yeah, yet. I know that's a whole other thing. But the the best thing I saw about that, honestly, and it, forget the 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 best thing I saw about the Trump being the presumptive nominee is that when America was was given the choice between between being religious or racist, 
they went with racist. <laughs> right. Because you have all of these people pandering to the evangelical Christian voters, and then this guy talking about that Hispanics are rapists, and we should build a wall and keep the Mexicans out. Hey, he likes taco salads, okay? <sighs> yeah. Apparently, he loves Hispanics. Oh, my God. But that's the thing. Like, you know, you've got that as your core basis. So at this at, at this point, when you're trying to fight it, you need people like Oral to be angry and outspoken and be the ones ready to throw that first brick. Yeah, and I, I want I want you to understand that, like, I, I love you, Brian. I love you, You know you too. I do. But I think, uh, I think what sometimes you fail to grasp is that, you know, you think that sometimes the loudest voices automatically are dialed up to 11 from the get-go, and that might be the case. But, you know, you, you don't know what it's like to walk down the street and just feel the tension. I don't. And it, it's, it's there. I believe you. And, you know, like, what makes me really sad is that even though, like, I'm dyed in the wood, wool super liberal Democrat, I would actually like a strong Republican Party because I, I truly believe in compromise. But what we've seen is that People are, are blatantly blatantly going for someone with this disgusting nationalistic fervor mm-hmm. who's blatantly racist. Yep. Who's making it okay to say all of these racist things. But these are, you know, the women down the street who always bake me cookies. Right. Even though, you know, Pat and Brian, those boys, mm-hmm. like, like that's what I think that's what what I'm talking about. And I agree. No, that, that, that pisses me off. You know, I passed a woman the other day with a Trump bumper sticker and I actually looked at her because I'm like, who the fuck are you? And it was just some random but, housewife but looking, that's, you know. But that's what I'm saying is that, you yeah. know, now the the curtain's being pulled back and we're seeing the wizard. Yeah. And apparently it's a grand wizard. I was going to say, you better <laughs> go for that. And, and that's, that's like, what I'm saying. Is that but, the winner of Ask Me Another at the end of the show? The but, Grand Wizard? But that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying, you know, and rounding back so we can move on to another topic, is that <laughs> when you have these people in power who aren't actively going out of the way to, to exclude you from society, but then sometimes are, and then they're like, we don't understand why you're so mad about, you know, this character who... You call a spade a spade, that bitch is Japanese. <laughs> Even though it's like you're transcending blah, 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 bodies don't matter. It's bullshit. Well, the, the one that bullshit. really is bullshit, and we kind of touched on it, and we'll move on from this, because we've, we've had a great discussion about yes. the, the civil war that we have here. Uh, <laughs> but no, the ancient one, uh, as Tilda Swinton, is kind of nonsense. I I'm mean, excited for Doctor Strange. I saw Tilda Swinton, and I'm just like, you're not the ancient one. Yeah. And I wonder if that's actually a thing. Like, they're saying she's the ancient one, but maybe she's not. Like, she's the ancient one. I don't know. I hope not. Well, the Mandarin wasn't the Mandarin. Then the Mandarin that's, wasn't the Mandarin. Yeah. Because, you know, a, a man with a Fu Man shoe of the, was it the Qing? Was he, the Chi Pao? Was it, was it the Qing dynasty? I don't know. Was I it the remember. Tang dynasty? I'm going to say remember. it's the Qing Weren't you an Asian study? Yeah. And I, I'm saying it's either one dynasty or the other. <laughs> you narrowed it down. Good well, I, I don't know the Mandarin very well, so, yeah, like, so I, I won't be able to confirm. So, uh, I, it's it's pretty bad. But that's exactly what I'm that saying. That one I am But that's, that's far exactly more, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Mandarin 
slightly tanned. You could say it's because he was out transcending in the sun, <laughs> meditating. He was no cyborg, okay? But, I mean, <laughs> the ancient one is oh. supposed to be this, like, old mystic, old mm-hmm. Tibetan yeah, yeah, monk. Of course, person, of course. And they didn't even try. No. But you'll, you'll film in Nepal. You'll film in Nepal. Yeah. Help this white man get to this white lady. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Said Things that. will happen, and we'll try to solve all of your problems because we're the white saviors. I'm still excited to hear more of Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, fake American accent because that's always fun. But all right, well, we've had a, we had a lovely discussion, and we won't we don't have a whole lot more. Honestly, this is kind of a light week uh, of all things. Uh, there's been a lot of television. One thing we have to address, we have to address, is RuPaul's Drag Race, of course. Mm. Because we are all fans. Well, Jared, do you watch RuPaul? Uh, yeah, you did watch. You came out to yeah, game yeah. night and watched RuPaul yeah, with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we all agree? Walk into the club purse first. That they uh, the dentist purse first. Uh, <laughs> Bob the drag. No, wait, queen. hold on a second. So, okay, when do we? When does this come out? This I'm just, comes out Friday. Um, well, for us, this this coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we're recording on Mother's Day. Obviously, this is you know the part where I may or may not cut this out of the recording. Um. So this is coming out this week, which means that clip show we have no no clip show. Huh. This this season they decided to forego all the formalities. Um, there is no clip show. We get Bianca Del Rio's Rolodex of Hate oh, that's right. television special, mm-hmm. which means they're going to cut out all the cursing and all of the uh, uncle incest jokes. Which to oh. me, oh. you've now just cut it down to like twelve minutes. <laughs> There's a lot of uncle incest jokes in the entire show. It's a fantastic special. It just, it, I'm going to be interested to see how this translates into logo. Um, and then a week from Monday, so what are we, the 9th? So what is that, the 16th? We go into the live finale of season 8 of RuPaul's Drag Race, where the winner should be Purse Purse. It should be. I think if Purse Purse doesn't win, Purse Purse should be Miss Congeniality. Because I'm pretty sure that's the that my favorite contestant this season has been Purse Purse. I, you know, we've gotten to the final. Well, we were at the final four. Yes, we have the final was three: Kimchi, Naomi Small, Bob, and um, Chi Chi Devane. And you know, I love Chi Chi. I would have rather seen Chi Chi in the finals Hell than yes. Naomi. And you know, here's the thing: I I like Naomi a lot. Um, whoever was going to get sent home, I was going to feel really sad about because I think they've all distinguished themselves relatively well. I feel like Naomi didn't do anything. Like it took her to like the last three episodes to even do anything. She walked out in a goddamn bra and panty set sometimes with a wrap around it. Like the first four or five weeks, that's all she did. And then they were like, bitch, you need to step your pussy up. And then she came out and did something. And they were like, oh, my God, she's amazing. You've come so far, Naomi. <laughs> bitch, you're this, you're this, this quote-unquote fashionista, fashion expert. You've been – ever since you could crawl out your mommy's room and you go read a Vogue magazine. Where the fuck was that the entire time? I, no, I agree. but And that's why, like, that's why I have a soft spot for, for uh, both Naomi and Chi-Chi because they both – Kind of grew together, and that—that's editing. Like Chi-Chi grew. Chi-Chi grew. Chi-Chi grew. That poor bitch had a lip sync for her life twenty-five times in a nine-episode season, yeah. and she still made. She made it to the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what I can understand why Naomi didn't get sent home and why Chi Chi got sent home. And is it is yeah, sorry, it isn't even the track record. What it was is if you've never danced in a gown before, why would you wear that strap gown, which was oh, gorgeous. Yeah. It, it was cute. For your for your couture. Because it was couture. It was all she had for couture. But what she wore in the mirror, like in that mirror scene, she could have done something with that. You didn't see the bottom of it. Yeah. But I thought like she could have done something with that but and made herself able to like literally drive it home. But that's the thing. Maybe that outfit wasn't going to be conducive to dancing sure. or couture True. as a complete outfit. That that outfit, like all of her looks were fine. She, you know, aside from and and honestly, that getting caught up in the dress, that could have been editing. We don't know, like we don't see the raw uncut footage to see how this thing actually went. And for exactly. and for once, and honestly, the whatever that muscle guy who I've never seen before, you might have liked this one, Jared. Okay, <laughs> Jared's like I am back into this conversation. <laughs> um, like this time around. Okay, so this final pre-recorded episode did not have had rupaul come into the workroom as a boy mm-hmm. which is in all the times that they've been doing it this way i don't remember season one i think but starting season two at least um rupaul has never been present during the final workroom michelle visage always does it yeah um with her infamous it's me ben de la creme after ben got sent home sadly <laughs> um you did not have the lunch with Mama Roo. There was no Tic Tac lunch this this season. No. They for they it's foregone. That just we're gonna go past this. Um, and then none of the judging panel was present for the video shoot because Michelle or somebody like there is usually some sort of connection with that. Roo did not have a part in this. Oh, that's it. Michelle isn't there. Matthew Anderson's done the last couple of them, but Roo has a uh, a scene with them. Mm-hmm. There, Rue was like, I'm not getting a drag for this shit. No. She was like, I'm not, you're not paying me enough for these nine episodes. She did not get in drag because I, she only gets in drag if she's getting paid for it. She will, otherwise, she's a boy every other time. Anytime mm-hmm. you see her, that's why she's not in drag on her game shows. That's not what, on Skin Wars or whatever that show she was on. Mm, she, unless she's getting paid specifically to be in drag, she doesn't get in drag. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we don't, it, it, was very, it was very oddly constructed final episode. Like, I just thought it was very interesting. So did I. Um, Although, I would have loved to have seen... I, 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 My heart breaks because they don't know who's top three. No. They know who's top four. And Ginger, when if you go way back in our feed or go or if you're on SoundCloud, go to the Drag is the New Spandex section. But the second time Ginger sat down with us, we talked about the recording because obviously the first time around, Logo had their pink van outside ready to snipe us if uh, if she said anything <laughs> too much about the uh, the season. Um, but when she came back the second time, she told us that they pre-record up until that final elimination, but they record all the queens getting eliminated. Mm-hmm. So they find out live with us. So Bob, Naomi, Chi-Chi, and Kim Chi, wherever they were at, oh, wow. were all finding out with us who made top three. They're like, well, we got a 25% chance we ain't making it past this. But so I've, my heart falls for Chi-Chi Devane in that situation because yeah. that bitch, she worked. She worked. She worked for it. What's your favorite part of her uh, and I'm telling you lip sync? Okay. Girl. So I... 
there are some queens who will lip sync a song. It was just like, okay, you know, and you know, they're they're moving and they're doing all this stuff. But when you see it resonate with her, cause she is begging, like she is straight begging Rue not to send her home. Like it's there. The the beads break. She's literally clawing at like life. That's like that bitch had to go home. Um, and what did she say? What your favorite part is what she her what did she say before she went out and and lip synced? Or was it in Untucked when they asked it what she was gonna do if if she had to go out there and lip sync? Oh, she's she um was hustle. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. She's like, you know, like, how are you gonna deal with this? She's like, hustle. And that's what it is. She had hustle. And it's that street hustle where you know mm-hmm. it's either get this and be okay, or you fuck. And like she, she got it, and yeah. that's that's when I really changed for Chi Chi. Yeah. Although sadly, I think she could have gone out there and just like stood in one spot and just lip synced it half ass, and still would have mm-hmm. sent Thorgy oh, yeah. packing. Yeah. Because that wasn't, that was that was geared to Chi Chi, mm-hmm. which, I, which is what makes me really sad about the fact that this is so overproduced. Yeah. Is that these lip syncs? They're given these lip sync songs. At the beginning of the day or the day, like in the workroom or whatever, they're giving it well before the the runway. Mm-hmm. So that way they know the song and can prepare. But then I, I would sit there. If I were a queen on the show, I'd be like, and I'm telling you, oh, one of the black bitches going down there. One of us is already scripted to be in this bottom two, but we're going to survive. Exactly. Unless it's two black girls, in which case then one of us is fucked. Yeah. Then when, we got to go out there and hustle. When when Bob was up for the book ball for elimination, yes. mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh my God, don't don't let this be it. And I'm just like, you know, it's time for you to lip sync for your life. And usually they uh, sometimes Rue will say you were asked to prepare this and that. And I'm glad they got away from that because it's really like, what's going to happen? I'm like, please let it be something for Bob because Bob can dance. Oh, Mighty Real by Sylvester. <laughs> she good. She good. <laughs> is that the, that's the one where they've taken it and made it like a Super Smash Brothers? Yes. yes. Oh. That is the greatest. So the greatest gift of all time is Bob, it's, um, Bob, like she walks to the back of the stage, turns around and does one of these. And it and it cuts in with this from the side and goes Bob purse first in a battle and she's got purse first in her hands and then she starts doing the like she does this move and she like does crazy arms and it's like two purse purses flying out at Derek and Derek is like down and back up and she avoids them and then Bob is dancing like and kind of doing like these fist pumping into the air type of things okay. and she hits the smash ball it starts like on fire and then slides over into like slides at Derek yeah. and just purse purses come flying at her and blows up <laughs> Derek Barry <laughs> oh, thank God for that. and, and then it, and then it's like Bob wins and it cuts to RuPaul like clapping with Peach's hair like yeah. the top of Peach's hair with the crown on it it's, it's good. but yeah uh, it, this I've seen this season you you see the strings but it's yeah. still oh. been a great season. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I has moments. I don't. I don't love a lot of it, but I like a lot of it. It came it's into weird. its own in the back half. Yes. The first half, dear God, when they fucking sent what's her name home. That's how much I know her because it's what's her name in the Max? first episode. No, no, no. In first oh, episode, okay. Continental, the Continental Queen, <gasps> Nasha, oh, Nasha yeah, Lopez. Nasha, yeah. <laughs> That's how much I remember her. Don't hate me if you're a Nasha fan. Um, but when they sent Nasha home, episode one, and then in episode two, sent home Dax and. Layla McQueen. Yes. And then turned around and brought Nasha back. I'm like, 
why? Bring her back four episodes in. Give it some time. Right. Make it worth it. This and then that's where it was like that's the first time. And it's always been there, but that was the first time I was like, and there's RuPaul with giant marionette strings over everything. Like that was so convoluted and so contrived that it soured the season for me. And once we got past like where it actually started to matter, when you were about halfway through, and we only had 12 queens this season. This is a short season. Yeah. Started late and it's ending the same time, but we're we have less queens to deal with. And you didn't bring any Body back like it wasn't one person got sent home okay a couple of weeks later let's bring Nasha back let's you know do this whole thing it just felt it has felt so contrived and then once we started getting towards the latter half of the season then I feel like they loosened up on it a little bit but obviously the lip sync songs are huge indicators when you have Thorgy and Chi Chi lip syncing and I am telling you do you really think Thorgy is going to sit there and give that good of a lip sync for it? No. Nope. That's not that's not her repertoire. That's not her her soul. Derek Barry performing anything. That's not Britney Spears cuz she can kill a fucking Britney lip sync. Yeah. She I've seen her perform at Parliament House and she's coming back very soon. Um she's amazing. She's an amazing performer. But do you know whose Britney lip sync is a thousand times better than Derek's? Hmm? Bob's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because. Oh my God. Okay. Yes. So let's let's say, I, I I think if we all had to say, I think we're all Team Bob for team the Bob. for the win. Team Bob. Yeah. And I love Kim Chi. God bless her. Kim Chi as an aesthetic. I adore Kim Chi. But is she fantastic. Can't perform. She she has to realize she's this. very awkward. Or she's a very she awkward can't performer. She lip sync and dance. Her actually the she doesn't the dance. Video, period. The bobbing around video we saw. I think she's a good entertainer. It's, I think she does fine with that. But yeah, yeah. Just, see, you know, the thing is, I thought it was like, oh, well, you know, if any of them win, I'd be okay. And then I realized, I'm like, nope, no, no, have to be Bob. And and all right, we'll get into. Let's go to the lip sync portion of this first. Okay. So the the reason before the season started and i think when we talked to ginger i hadn't seen this video because i was very blase about the entire season i didn't really fall in line with any queen before the season started but the video that put me on team bob a hundred percent was crazy yes where bob does a compilation of um gnarles barkley's crazy Mm mm-hmm uh, Patsy Klein's crazy, mm-hmm. and then goes back to I think Gnarls Barkley. I think it yes. ends with Gnarls Barkley, but it's intercut with. So now, now you're with spoken word. So now you're not just talking about lip syncing. Spoken word is one of the hardest things to fucking lip sync because timing is ridiculous. Very few queens are extremely proficient at spoken word lip sync. Lip sync is one of them. <laughs> which I hope she would be. One of my favorites who I refuse to say because she's my favorite sometimes does like spoken word in her lip sync, but usually she's really drunk. And so she's always just a little bit off. If you get my drift, I was there. Mm -hmm. I was super excited. Mm. Yeah. But I love her. So, so it intercuts portions of Tyra Banks from America's Next Top Model season a cycle, blah blah blah, blah right. where she goes off on the girl, like she just like has a meltdown and freaks out on one of the girls that was a contestant that fucked up or broke the rules or something, um, and also um, Crazy Eyes from Orange Is the New Black. She does a whole portion from the first season of Orange Is the New Black, and then there's another spoken word portion 
that I don't know what it's from. I can't remember. I yeah, can't remember. it's about getting sick because she answered the telephone. Mm. And so like, I feel like it's a Joan Crawford type of thing, whatever. But she does it. It's so flawlessly done. And she starts out and she's wearing this one wig and she's in the gets out of the, the straight jacket and starts lip syncing the crazy and is doing these on point like Tyra Banks lip sync, you know, intercut word and then turns around, takes the one wig off, puts on her Uzo Aduba crazy eyes wig and fucking starts doing uh, Patsy Cline and crazy eyes from Orange is the New Black. It is amazing and that's when i knew i was team bob mm-hmm. like and since then we've um, been blessed with some other videos which i think oral i think is the best person to talk about the britney yes. the britney so video please talk about this so awesome video she, she does this britney video um and she she says right off the bat this is really going to be offensive so if you're easily offended yeah. Please stay, because it's a lot of fun to do around. this. Yeah, I love that. So it starts off with her watching television, and it's um, one of the news stories about when Paula Dean said the N-word. And, you know, she's like, oh, this is really, you know, terrible. She's pantomiming, like, like, shock and awe, you know, disgust. And then she starts to uh, lip sync to I'm a Slave for You. Um, and so she start, you know, doing all the Britney movements, the choreography. It's fine. But then, you know, it gets to get it, get it, get it, get it. And she starts to get really, like, <laughs> quirky and weird. And I shit you not. Oh, my God. When the chorus starts and uh, the lyrics start, I'm a slave for you, she starts to shuck and jive. She literally goes, slave, like, Al Jolson, like come home to mammy like for you she starts to like slap her knees yeah. she goes well this is gonna sound terrible i don't know i just talked about race but i can say this because i'm black <laughs> she goes full piccaninny thank you i don't know the term and of course you do and I didn't. at one point oh, she um at one point gets down and starts washing floors she gets up and starts to shine a white man's shoes. Yep. <laughs> um, she her back hurts like it's it's hilarious. And then she pieces it in with this Chris Rock stand up of when white people can use the N word, and um, it's just it's just it's I'm trying to be I'm trying not to say nigga. Because I was being like all like militant and black power. And I can actually, I'm reclaiming the word for this episode. There you go. Take go back the it. power. Go I'm for taking it. it. So yeah, like it's, it's really, it's really smart. It's a long video, but if you want to see something <laughs> fucked up and funny, mm-hmm. um, and it's like, it's, it's, it's a lot on a lot of different levels. Cause it's, you know, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like this sort of like vaudeville uh it's, throwback it's art it's, it's art, art. Yeah. it's a performance piece because she's doing this for an all-white audience mm-hmm. majority like, white well they, yeah ma- there was yeah, some there was I'm some sorry. black people in the no, audience I shouldn't they cheer <laughs> like a majority like white audience from what we can tell in the video well but, yeah because she does the whole you know are there any are there any black people here are there any white people like that kind of thing so you you know yeah. you know that there are it's predominantly a white crowd mm-hmm. So it just because she does the whole, you know, finish each other's sentences bit in the beginning. Like she did. There's a lot of really, really smart and 
bits to it that make you really think. And so to segue from that, um, my biggest thing with Bob now, like after outside of just being a performer and with seeing these videos is she's dubbed herself a queen for the people. And it ties us back into kind of the conversations we were, the conversation we had earlier because Bob has been out on that front line and has been that peaceful protester and has been arrested protesting for, for gay rights and has actually, so to see, to see somebody that is unapologetic in standing up for what they believe in and actually being an active participant in protests and, and, and being out there in full drag, not even just, you know, as a boy Mm -hmm. in full drag out there doing this, and then also being this thought-provoking and this informative and trying to enlighten people through art and through these performances. And that could just be entertaining. Like the crazy piece, that's just pure entertainment. But the I'm a Slave for You is amazingly thought-provoking. And if you sit back, like you could just sit back and watch it and laugh your ass off and be fine. Or you can actually take it for what it is mm-hmm. and really think about it. Mm-hmm. And for those of you listening, check the Facebook page. We've, we've posted videos or some of these things that we're talking about before um, in regards to Bob. But I, I'll make sure that we go ahead and after we post this link, we'll go ahead and we'll add these, uh, these links to Crazy and I'm a Slave for You and the gif of uh, Bob first first in a battle. Oh my God. <laughs> because if you, if you haven't seen these things, um, go check out Bob. And Bob's actually doing a uh, is crowdsourcing money for a comedy special uh, called a, um, a queen for the people and if you if you have ten thousand dollars was it ten thousand I think so ten thousand dollars to spare you become an executive producer <laughs> on the on the special she will give you a job she will give you a BJ <laughs> oh, that's a better right, job, a better job. <laughs> um, yes because even even Bob's like crowdsourcing like it's not indieGogo it's I forget what um, what what GoFundMe or whatever. Yeah, whatever, what platform she's using for it. It's something else. Um, like, even the descriptions for the perks are hysterically funny. But the one of the perks, if you donate $10,000, is um, you, you get to meet Purse Purse, and you get to walk into a room purse first with purse purse yeah that's and i was like if i had ten thousand dollars like if i was if i was just rich beyond like and had no care about spending 10 grand i would absolutely do it just so i could walk into the room purse first uh just just as a a note rich people do care about their money unfortunately that's what i'm saying Uh, if i if i had money hand over fist that i and i could not care about my money i would totally do it And depending on if she became a 501c3, then it would be a charitable donation. <laughs> and it'd be, then it would be absolutely worth it. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, RuPaul. Uh, so, DragCon is also this weekend while we're recording. And yeah. if you go on our Facebook feed, our dear friend and contributor to Drags and New Spandex theme song, uh, Jess Ketting, Sean. Jess Ketting. He uh, is out there with his friend, uh, I forgot his name, uh, out there enjoying the DragCon, posting pictures of all the excitement. Uh, World of Wonder has done some great stuff. You check their Facebook feed uh, out. I should have asked him to buy the new album. The Rusical album. Oh, uh, one of my favorite Andrew Christian models is out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. doing <laughs> like they have names. <laughs> He's Persian. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> also, a uh, friend of uh, mine from uh, Heroes Con last year, Derek Marks, is out there selling stuff. I mean, this is all going to come out much later than you, you would have a chance to check it out. But 
uh, it definitely looks like DragCon is here to stay and growing and, and developing. And uh, oh, and uh, Jace uh, Squares Air Pair. They're selling their books, the oh, kids' books, uh, Jace Peebles. Very nice. Um, and some of the sisters are out there. Um, sisters. Zan's out there with Mama Tits, the new Mama Tits Drag Queen yes. comic yes. book. I've been getting a lot of updates about that. Yeah, yeah. They, had a, they had a panel. That was one of the uh, new now next has like t- top 10 things to do at DragCon. And their Northwest Press uh, panel was one of the 10 things. So lots of awesomeness uh, around that show. If we can get out there next year, oh my God, I'd love to. It would be so much fun. I mean, we could even bring Dragon's New Spandex to their thing. (gasps) Oral, quit your your job that gives you shifts on the weekends. (laughs) Get a a real job. Oral, Oral, if I can do it, you can do it. I know. Get a I'm job that on it. You can do get, a, it. get a job that lets you have weekends off, and we can go to DragCon next year. So before we get to with that. our friend um, Sony Love, who oh, made yeah. an appearance this year, she did not do the first year, oh, really? but she went out. No, she wasn't oh, there last year. She she came out this year. Cool. Yeah, she went out this year. So what up, Sony. Kylie? We're gonna get her on soon. We have we have guests lining up for Dragons New Spandex. We just gotta schedule it all, which is. I'm Half sorry. the problem, but it's not your fault. I know. I've, I've been slacking. I've when, been slacking. But before we get to, because I feel like we're, we're we're running long for us and everything. Before we get to the one ups for the week, we do want to just we could do Jared's favorite section of the week, comics. That's when I go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, we won't we won't belabor that. But I just at least want to touch on the fact that uh, Civil War Two is coming, and Free Comic Book Day was yesterday. <laughs> How was Free Comic Day? Yeah. Free Comic Book Day for you, Oral. Um. I knew things were bad when I went to go talk to somebody before the store opened up and the line, uh, and we're like a pretty big plaza. Um, the line was at our door, which is in the middle to the end of the building and had wrapped around. Oh no. Which way? Deli side or where that new game place is? Where the new game place is. Okay. Uh, past them. Just trying to get a visual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was bedlam for hours. Um, my we had three registers, one of which I had to use a shortcut so I could just ring things up manually by hand with the smallest, teeniest, tiniest POS known to man. Like it was oh. it was rough. I'm just like, is this register balance? Cause I don't know. Thereby, I'm just like, let's just talk it up to God. Throw money at us. Throw money at us. Like when we were there at what, like 11 12 o'clock it was was that the time yeah somewhere around yeah. there i literally I, we had been open since nine and eric just, had gotten here about 11 30 we got there it was a little before noon i think yeah i mean it was it was busy and and then it lulled a little bit so we got to talk to you for a hot second and then it just we didn't know oral was up. busy the entire time eric was able to like That's eric was true. that you the register closer to ran, us uh, yeah because yeah, eric, eric ran and left me to do everything <laughs> last person to get there first bitch to leave yeah. Bitch is like, I don't work here full time no more. Peace. Seriously. Um, but it, it, we, so previous years we've made a, a, like a pilgrimage of it. We've gone to all these stores and made a bit more of a production. This year, Pat and Eric and I just, we went to a couple stores. We I, went, we went, we basically went and supported the people that we knew that own shops. Right. Because this day isn't for us. Right. We go to our comic shop and we buy comics regularly. The big por- the big thing about, Free Comic Book Day is trying to get the people who don't know that there's comic book shops or don't frequent them to come in and get free stuff, but then to try to turn them into repeat customers. The that's first taste is free. That's really the whole point of it. It doesn't necessarily work out that way. 
course it does. It's worked for us in the past. Has it? Good. Well, okay. Yeah. But that, but the thing is that you are a shop that is very customer service forward. Yes. Mm. And you have personalities that work well for that. Let me just say, of all the stores we went to, and I mean, it, we're biased, but I know your a comic shop in Winter Park is always customer service first. Thank you. Way more than other stores. And to their detriment, although I will say Danny, our friend Danny's store Epic, they did a good job. They weren't super slammed, but they were very, their people were all about talking like to people. I like Epic. It was yeah, Epic nice. was good. Yeah. And I will even uh, say our friend Anna's store, Gods and Monsters, they had people there talking to people and dragging people to they, different things and showing people. We weren't approached. They were either severely understaffed for the size of the store to be able to be that a customer. giant store on friendly. Drive, yeah. But I saw people. No one talked to us. Yeah, the bartender um, talked to me, and that was about it. <laughs> and she had to put down her snack, and then go get a drink, and then take a sip of her drink, and then she asked you if you needed help. I'm like, bitch, you only got hired here because you have big tits and you're willing to wear a low cut top. Pretty much. That she was. Oh my God, she was painted up as Harley people, Quinn. People actually had time to leisurely eat. Yeah. Like oh I, for sure. Or just like apple. I ate like a horse like seizure. It's <laughs> like. Oh, like no. Eric's like, you need a bite of this PB and Jam. Oh, like, I'm, no. I'm like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> we should have come by with like, um, like, like you know, doing a race and you get the water and you're just, yeah. like, <laughs> you just, you just throw it on you and you just keep going. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Well, I, God bless you. And I saw you did some karaoke last night. There was like cosplay karaoke. Is that the it deal? was? It was cosplay karaoke. Um, the cosplayers got there a little later. Uh huh. Not, uh, as, not, as, not as good as uh, some other karaoke's that are at times at the Geek Easy. <laughs> Sometimes co-hosted by some people that are here. I can co-host karaoke now. Yay! It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Um, I totally forgot that I used to sing uh, "Private Dancer" all the time. You uh, sing it all the time informally, just like in passing. Yeah, yeah, which is really funny <laughs> because my favorite line is "Dutch marks are dollars." American Express will do nicely. Thank you. <laughs> Let me loosen up your collar. Tell me. You wanna see me do the shimmy again? Best part. <sighs> that is the best part of that song yeah. right there. Is when she goes. <sighs> they took it... the first sigh away from me. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, as I was about to sigh because I know the song. Yeah. <laughs> it like it was in the the backing vocals. Oh, no. like, oh, I don't. I don't care. I still do it because I I sing it. I'll what? sing it at karaoke also. It uh. took me off. It caught me off guard. <laughs> yeah. Like, like who's like, this bitch sign behind me? Does it actually put it in the text? No, side? it was. It wasn't. In, I, in the second one, I think says A H. I think it yeah. does say for the second one. <laughs> yeah. The first time it doesn't. Um, speaking of Tina Turner, real quick. Mm-hmm. I have to show you this short video clip, and we'll put it up. I'll see about putting it up on the Flame on uh, Facebook page. Wheezy, Geraldine oh Jones. Oh, my God. Um, who is so amazing. super, super fucking awesome to talk to Wheezy. and is an old school queen, like goes back, She's back, the back in the day. Um, Chuckles, who was the voice of the Footlight Theater, worked for the Parliament House for 35 who, who, who haven't lived here for a long time and been going to the Parliament House like myself. Um, I didn't know Chuckles as a drag queen. I didn't know Chuckles as a an artist and a performer. I knew Chuckles as the grouchy guy up in the in the booth. Because Chuckles towards the end of his run was was a little a little surly. Um, but he passed away. So they did their celebration of life for him, which he explicitly said he did not want. <laughs> but everybody in the Parliament House said, Fuck you, we're doing this anyway. <laughs> um and, and Geraldine performed. So good. And, so good. Um oh. I guess she gave a couple of like 
performance numbers to Chrissy and he picked which one he wanted to do, or I'm not, I'm not sure how it actually came about, but it was a, she did Tina Turner. She did, we don't need another hero. And in fucking Mad Max outfit with the big, like wire hoop earrings <laughs> yeah. that chuckles helped her make. Yep. Like there was a whole story too. Like it was, it, it was very touching. Like I couldn't stay in there because even though I didn't know chuckles that well, these stories that everybody was were were telling were so amazingly moving and so heartfelt that it was hard not to get emotional. Oh yeah, in that room. So I'm like, and I'm I'm empathetic to like the nth degree, especially I'm horrible at funerals. Um, so even a celebration of life, I was like, I'm starting to tear up, and I'm like, I gotta go. And I had to work that night anyway, so I'm just like, I'm gonna go to the bar, and have another drink, see you guys later. I just sat there in the back and listened to all these great stories about chuckles, and it was it was phenomenal because I had no idea, I had no idea. And I love learning history about that place, but, um, but yeah, Wheezy's, uh, bla- but, uh, what's your, what's the character's? Character? I don't know Not what it, I've never seen that's Beyond the... Thunderdome. What's Tina's? Um, anti entity. Yes, that's yeah. it. Yep, yeah. just I just killed it. It He's, was fantastic. Oh, so I'll show you the video and so we'll good. see about putting it up. But the the wire earrings, like it was so. She looked like like somebody shrunk down yes. Tina Turner. It was hysterical because she like it was such big like shoulder pads and everything. And yeah. Wheezy's Wheezy's shorter than I am, yeah. like yeah. as a boy. So you just whoosh, this tiny little Tina Turner with these big bulky pads, this white mohawk hair, and these giant metal like metal wire earrings. It was amazing. Um, but Free Comic Book Day, you know, was fun, and we saw Civil War, and we had bump a good time. some people. Well, someday you'll <laughs> for get those to enjoy that we it. didn't have to work, it maybe for someday, oh, forever. Yeah, I just have flashbacks. Uh, flashbacks. so let's let us let us do this because we don't want to. I don't think comics has been a huge huge factor until we get into Tallahassee Coats, Black Panther, awesome. See, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's let's do this. Anything worth mentioning DC wise? Rebirth is coming. Rebirth is coming. And that's about it. Do we? Constantine's still good. Batman wrapped up and it was good. I need to ask. Midnight wrapped up and it was good. Mm. Have we gotten to the point where they reveal who the Joker is? No, not yet. That hasn't come out yet. That's okay. In the last. I think that's in the 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 next and like final issue of Justice League. Really? Okay. Because that's where Bat God gets. He asks the question and yeah. he gets. He finds out the answer. Mm-hmm. To, to who the Joker is. The Midnighter ending, did you read that? I, I fell behind in Midnighter. Midnighter ended um, Steve Orlando's run on it, and if you like Midnighter and Apollo, they they have a moment. It, it, it all comes back together, and is, is very gratifying if you're a longtime fan of those two. Uh, but Batman wrapped up the Scott Snyder, Perry Capullo run. The last issue was issue 51, I think. 51. Very understated, very kind of reflective of the you, you felt like it was the end of something um but you know again it's gonna be they cheaped out by one issue yeah. god damn it just make it to 52 yeah well, everything else is ending at 52 why don't you make it except there? for justice league because that's always behind <laughs> good lord right um and that's that's actually still been pretty good even if it's behind but yeah. um it's it's yeah dc is gonna transition i'm very oh Lois and Clark. I've actually been really enjoying the new Adventures that of series. Superman, starring Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher. No, no, that's exactly what in my mind it is. I, I don't. I saw that on the shelf, and that's the first thing that sprung to mind was I really wanted to say the new Adventures of Superman, starring Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher. It, it could be if they it, drew them like Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher, and didn't even like just made Dean it that Kane. way. It has to be bearded. I don't. Dean I don't care. I'll take. No, but, but it looks I'll better. Take, 
I'll take non-bearded. Oh. Like if you literally just without making it be about the show and you just made the characters look like Terry Hatcher and Dean Cain, I'd be I'd be set. I'd buy, I'd buy the book. Let's, let's transport back to the '90s when Dean Cain was you know handsome and hunky. He's I think still, he still looks good. He still is, he's, but he's you know, still he's hot as fuck. He's, he's the he's the '90s Dean Cain. And and that's fine. I would be a okay with that girl with a with. Mm, mm, <laughs> mm. That's the only reason I think I hadn't come, I hadn't come right? out yet. And I was still like... Same thing. Same here. Same here. Especially when he would be shirtless on the show. And I was like, yes! <laughs> but if, you're, if you, if you want to see a Superman comic that explores like a little bit of an older continuity with him and Lois, or you just like a relationship with him and Lois, that's a good book for that. And evidently he's playing a big role in Rebirth. So that's exciting. So yeah, otherwise DC right. is what... So D- DC is that. Let's uh, Anything indie-wise that <sighs> should be brought to the listeners' minds. And I know I, I know some of our listeners love the in-depth comic stuff, but one I don't think there's much to really go it. in it's, depth. Yeah, not not this time around. No. There, once, there really hasn't been yeah all that much. Once we get to like some meteor like comic stuff, we can we'll either do another separate microsode where we just really deep dive into comics, mm-hmm. or next month when we you know have some more actual good stuff to really talk about. Yeah, indie wise. I just feel bad. I just don't want our listeners to think that we're just like trying no, to skim over comics not. for this. Indie wise, it's been hit or miss. Like a few books that I, I I'm, I'm honestly piling them up and I haven't even gone through them. Like the uh, Remender stuff, like they just sit. And it's not because I don't like it. I just, I always feel like I'm kind of burning through books and I want to really enjoy that. Uh, East of West, I do read East that one. East of West is back. Yeah, it's good. Um, Wicked and Divine is yes, back. Very That's good. been very, very good. good. The cover with, I think it's Ball. Oh. Um, okay. With like an Anana tattoo, and he's in a speedo, and oh, (laughs) something else. But I like that 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 book is picking up some speed and doing some more interesting things. Um, Cool. So those are those are some good indie titles. All right, so let's dig into uh, what do we got Marvel wise? Let's talk about Black Panther. We talked about this before, but I finally read it. I just I don't I got dropped in in the middle of a lot of stuff, and I feel like I don't. But you read it all. You've read that, but there were a lot of things that they they kind of jump. It's it's a media ray. I mean, it's it's meant to drop you into the mix and just okay, figure it out. And I I know the broad strokes. I guess I just felt like there's a lot of stuff in here that I don't see the the through line. And it as the next issue comes out, but I'm sure it New will. Avengers. But even then, I didn't feel like a lot of it was still like there there. It, it's the inner workings of Wakanda, but right. like you know we've. Avengers versus X Men. When did his sister get killed, or is that something they didn't show? Uh, that I, was the. Big... I think either that happened during like the end of New Avengers. Okay. And, um, or it happened like, and we just haven't seen that. And yet. that could be, and that's yeah. the thing with the new Marvel, quote unquote, new now. Like it's it jumps forward. You you don't know all the details, but that was the only thing. I just felt a little lost. But otherwise, like I said, I love the Wakanda civilization. I like seeing more of that. I want more of that whole thing. So, I'm, and that's that's what I think we're gonna get. Yeah, yeah no, it's good. Um, yeah, I read the Civil War free comic book day thing. I'm not a fan. I think it's kind of weak. And well, not, I mean, this this can't be the conceit of Civil War. I know the conceit is minority hey, we, report. Right, it's minority report. We can predict the future, so now we should try to stop people before they actually do this bad stuff, and that's the that's the whole thing. But I just. Like, the, oh, the Inhumans showed up. Hey, hey, Inhumans, how are you? It just felt really forced. Yeah, but this whole thing, I mean, like, honestly, the way this story plays out, like, honestly, I can't see anybody blaming anybody other than Thanos 
if Rhodey were to die from this this snippet of what we got, Thanos is to blame. He's yeah. a bad guy. Of course. No, no, no. So, I don't think oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yes. I don't think this we're is not, the inside yeah, incident. This right. isn't the this isn't the spark that ignites Civil War two. Absolutely. I didn't think this was a great story. Like I didn't think this really gave you anything to whet your appetite for Civil War. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see like I'll give it a shot and see if they're I'll, able to I'll wrangle be, me in with it. I'll be reading it too. I but just, like Infinity <laughs> didn't really like Infinity was kind of a dud in I, as a storyline. See, to me, Infinity grew out of the stuff in New Avengers and Avengers yeah, that I so, really liked. Of course, yeah. So I was all on board Same with that. Here. Yeah, it didn't end in a way that I felt was very satisfying. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's more what I should say because the storyline itself was whatever, but I didn't feel like it had a satisfying ending yeah, for the main line of Marvel the, events the and heck even DC like they don't they don't really they don't let uh, what do they call it stick the landing no, very Secret often Secret Wars did oh uh, yeah Secret Wars did okay um, well it's partially because you you can't just end it you can't yeah, have an Wars ending did. to You're Secret right. Wars is different but Secret Infinity, Wars is this whole new like restart of of the not of the universe because they didn't reboot the universe but you were able to you had a, st- a stopping point because now you're into this the no. reconstructed world. Um, Are you reading the uh, Ultimates? I am reading oh, Ultimates. I fucking love that book it's the, so much. It's the only Ewing book I actually love. And me too. And honestly, it's surprising because I don't like any of the other Ewing stuff. But when they give Galactus like the protagonist role in a couple issues and you get that sense that, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of not true to form from what we know of Galactus and a lot of the stuff. But I love it. I love the idea of it. I love him as Sisyphus pushing that boulder up the hill, trying to figure out what's going on, fighting the cosmic aspects. Like that is mm. awesome. Did I, I see really some thrilled. panels where he was getting out of bed and had to put on his his uh, like smoking jacket? No, no, no? I don't think so. I, I think that was some was, parody. Was it a spoof? Co- it was a spoof cartoon. Oh so, yeah. Um, Can somebody make that into an actual like? Uh, it's a canon. Galactus in a smoking jacket is the new commission we need to ask for at a future con. Uh, Doctor Strange has been phenomenal. Very good, yeah. Um, Although that one-off they did about the that the dying in the, was the last, last days, of, days magic. of magic. The the one-off like you know anthology thing. I just didn't know a lot of the the magic characters, and it's that's my fault. But I was also just kind of like, oh, all right, this is interesting. See, and like I that's my thing. So okay, I'm just like yes, so I'm those are these existing characters that mm-hmm. they just haven't except used for in a the while. woo. The Wu? The Wu. Well, I shouldn't say except for the Wu. The Wu is a, a new character they're introducing. Okay. I've never seen that character before. Okay. I didn't. Can I tell you which one one off issue I did not appreciate? Scarlet Witch. Mm. Issue, what, six? The one where she's in France? Uh, that yeah, was rough. The, the one with like all the different art styles. Yes. or like that really bizarre art style. And then she went and she had to like free the. Oh, the spirits, the, the spirits of the nuns? Of the, yeah. See, I love that no, artist. No, 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 no. No, yeah. not the spirits of the nuns. Are you? No, it's the yeah, it's the nuns that that took the vow of silence. No, that I like. That oh, one see, I, I like. didn't, I didn't. But that's Polito. Yes, Polito. I love his. It art. It probably was the. It was probably the art that threw me, he and the fact that like, yeah. it just kind of was a jump from. Like it was a standalone issue. Like it, if I had known, like if it was a special issue, if it had some sort of like, hey, you don't necessarily need to read this. Yeah, it was a very read it one-off if you like story. It. But I mean, what what Robinson is doing is sort of an anthology, sort of building up to this idea of the what's the Irish magician, the Emerald Warlock. Yeah, like it, it, and there was the the Dylan art that actually had him in it. But like he's working with these different artists and trying to sort of do this. Like puzzle piece together, and then they'll get to like the. See, the, I like the story. that one. The the one, the most recent one, 
didn't care. See, I haven't read oh, that one yet. Yeah. Oh, it's. Mm. I do feel like this strategy may not be the best for building up the Scarlet Witch and her, her character and the new role she's in, but uh, it's whatever. Well, she doesn't really it. have a role. Like, well, it's... she's fixing or investigating why magic. I mean, it's kind of like what Strange is doing from another perspective, but possibly different roles. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as invested in it. I don't hate the book. I'm just not that super invested in what she's doing and why she's doing it. I do like ghost. I like bitchy ghost Agatha, Agatha Harkness. Harkness. Yeah. That's freaking hilarious um speaking of agatha harkness vision yes oh my god, oh my god. Freaking vision. the fact that we've got to a point and it's it makes me really sad that we're ending this book with 12 but it's at the same point it's like i i long for and look forward to see what the next chapter is because i know that we're getting to an end point yeah um but the fact that we got we've been having these these word bubbles that have been narrating a story that we're watching unfold that already knows the story, mm-hmm. knows how the story goes. And I don't know about you, but I partially thought it was Vision telling the story. I could see Vision like recounting this story to himself, to somebody, and this being mm, okay. like being a third party because he's a because he's a synthesoid and yeah. whatever he is. Like he can detach himself in that respect and tell this story from an objective perspective, to then all of a sudden realize that at the end of it was it the last issue that's yeah. come out at this point, it's Agatha Harkness telling the Avengers this like, story. You lend a trap, lend yeah. a trap. <laughs> it was like that last panel because it all of a sudden took this like hard left turn, and it's been such an amazing story so far that I'm really excited to see how. This next portion of it, which will probably be the last leg, this home mm-hmm. stretch of this this twelve part story. Yeah. So I'm I'm super excited for the vision. What else is Marvel doing? X Men books are eh, the Apocalypse Wars. Apocalypse Wars is good. I haven't read Uncanny. I don't. The newest one with yeah. the with the split Angel Archangel I on the cover. I didn't understand it. Well. Yes, that's the newest Uncanny with the with the Archangel yes. on yes, the cover. Yes, yeah, because we got shorted. Yeah, I know. So I haven't. I bought it in the store. Yeah, I haven't got a chance to read any. Of, nobody got it. Oh, okay. So it, it was it um, was confusing. We got it. it was confusing. Oh. It was confusing. I, I didn't. I, I don't understand how they fit. I, I I get why they would bring them into Apocalypse Wars. Yeah. But like, and I know it's like it's because it's coming. But Extraordinary has completely done what it needed to do for me because, you know, when the X-Books are in trouble, what do you do? Tom toss them, bring an apocalypse. Bada bing, bada boom, you're done. Yeah. Um, plus, I'm not going to lie. Battle hardened and Null looks kind of high. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like Old Man Logan's book. I actually like Lemire... Yeah. I have enjoyed his stuff before, but I think he's doing his best work with that. Um, I don't love his extraordinary X Men. I've, I've never really cared for his team books. Yeah, I, I I will read them, and they're not bad. No, but like when he when he has a, like a tight focus. Superboy was great in DC. Mm-hmm. Swamp Thing was pretty. Was it Swamp Thing? Yeah. No, it was Animal Man. Animal Man. That was really good. And then um, like this uh, old man. Yeah, like you said, when he has that focus. Even his Hawkeye with one of my favorite artists, Ramon Perez, I just kind of was like, no, not my thing. Um, any other books before we do our one-ups of the week? I think that's good. Um, one-ups of the week, of course, this is our chance to say what is... Well, before you, oh, before we do the one-ups, because I think that'll, that'll get us to the end of the episode, um, you got 
an email oh yes from a listener and we do love hearing back because we sit here around a table or tables as i'm at a separate table from everybody else and talk to each other for two two and a half sometimes more hours um an extended period of time exactly an extended period of time and really like that's all that we know of this like I, I'll edit it. I'll put it up on the the SoundCloud and you know get it ready for Cap to put everywhere else, and then that's it. We put our baby out into the world, and we don't know if people are. We know people are listening if they're because we see the the plays on SoundCloud or downloads on iTunes or Google Play or Audio Boom or nobody's using Google Play. It's <gasps> that's Google Plus. Google yeah, Play Music's a whole I, different ballgame. I got Google. Play, I, I will give you Google is. Plus. Nobody's using it. So we're like sending radio waves out into outer yes, space. Exactly. We're, we're waiting to hear from other yes. life. Intelligent we're like light. SETI, sitting there listening, crunching numbers, okay, okay, okay. getting an occasional blip. And, and then Jody Foster every... runs into a room. And exactly. Says, <laughs> exactly. So we got an email from Charlie Tuga. I hope he doesn't mind us giving his full name on the air, but if he does, well, he'll let us know because he knows how to email us. Uh, just finished <laughs> – Listening to your interview with Alex Wolfson, and I just had to write and thank you so much for it. Which, by the way, is the episode that is before this in your feed. So if you want to hear the Alex Wolfson interview, just go back one. I found it very inspiring and motivational, and it was the figurative kick in the nuts I needed to actually go ahead with my original comic. I fancy myself a bit of an amateur artist on my free time, but I've been doing mostly fan art. I have a few ideas for original comics in my head, but they always sound too daunting to actually pursue. But no more. I'm at the train station now, but as soon as I get home, it'll be sleeves up and hands on the rest for the day. Having a full-time job really sucks, but I guess I can cut some time from Final Fantasy XIV, which is probably a good idea. Honey, I've done the same thing, and you do have a lot more time, it turns out. That sounds dirty that he's going home from the train station to roll his sleeves up and put his, get his hands all on it. That's true. Anyway, I've been a fan of the show for a very long time. That's very all caps. And it was about time I wrote you guys something. Thank you so much for all the hours of entertainment you provide. And keep up the good work. A big hug to the whole Flame On crew. Uh, Flame Off, Charlie. So Aww. very sweet of him. And I really I, – I, as soon as I got this, I sent it to Cap and Pat. Um, and and I posted, I think, on our, on our management group. And I just – I'm very happy to see – Thank you so much. This uh, – to read you. this feedback. We also got a somewhat briefer uh, note – from Hoodoo Voodoo. This is on Discuss, which is, I guess, a commenting system that Nerdy Show uses. And he just said, I don't say it enough, but you guys kill it on a regular basis. And the past couple of episodes have been no exception. So, again, we're not soliciting your positive feedback. We want to know what you think. We just want to hear from you. But that you even are existing and listening to this show, you'd be amazed how much it means just to hear, hey, I listened to it. That's enough, because honestly, that just means it's getting out there to your friends. And to that end, if you're enjoying it, the best things you can do are to share it with other friends. Word of mouth is so much more effective than any other form of marketing, and we have zero budget. We need all the help we can get what to get the good word about? out. We have a huge budget for marketing. You're really bad at this. You no, will never don't. be the publicist. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm too honest. The From point a palatial is, estates here in College Park. <laughs> I want you to tell a friend if you enjoy this show and if you really enjoy it and you want to go on itunes and rate and review us that's even more exciting and of course an email, an email at flameonshow.com brian oral jared pat heck even the question still has his email out there if you want to email him oh. who is that i know right? our beloved question anyway 
thank you guys uh, for listening. We're going to do our one-ups before we forget and just move on to the closing. Uh, does anyone have one they'd like to start with? I'm going to start with okay. X-Men Apocalypse. Ooh, that's coming. It is coming. Memorial Day week, Labor Day, Memorial Day, Memorial right? Day. Yeah. I can never get those two straight in my head. Uh, I don't know. It's I, some I, day. I realize Memorial Day comes first, Labor Day comes second. Yeah, Memorial Labor Day is in September. I I mentioned this last time, but it's still like fresh in my head. But I'm still anxious for the Warcraft movie. No, yeah. No. yeah, I think I saw that. I saw a bit of the trailer. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. oral. I survived free comic book day, and Woo! it's now 364 days away from me. Oh, <laughs> is there like a, a countdown in the store? It's not a countdown. It's, it's in a his head. Slow, <laughs> slow, like low hum that reaches a fevered pitch, and um, yeah, it's done. It's over. I don't have to do it again. I am very excited to say that I will be at Moog Fest. That is M O O G. Uh, up in Durham, North Carolina, with Cap and his brother John from Nerdy Show. We are there with Consequence of Sound, with some of the Consequence of Sound uh, contributors. We are covering this music festival on two weekends uh, from now uh, when we're recording this. And if you are in the Durham area, you should check this place out. If you're in even the general vicinity and you like electronic music, uh, big names like Gary Newman, Odessa, uh, Mike Snow... Gosh, there's a couple other bigger names. Wait, will John Dilbeardo be there? No. They need to get Echoes and Hearts of Space because I was really struggling. Oh, Suzanne Ciani, who's actually a big uh, influence way back from me. Suzanne Um, Summers? No, Suzanne Summers. Um, But anyway. Trying to tell that time master. When you go to Consequence of Sound, probably in the next month or so, maybe a little before that, we'll have our coverage up there. I'll be doing pictures and probably some write-ups and some podcast perhaps and we'll definitely let you know what's coming but electronic music moog fest uh robert moog was the creator of the i think one of the biggest and first electronic like synthesizers in america um if not one of the one of the first if not the first and he I believe is, it was the first he is a huge part of my upbringing growing into electronic music and teaching electronic music so i'm very excited to go to this festival for the second time with cap and the consequence guys so i'm very excited and uh that's my uh, one up for the week. It's giving you life. It's giving me life. life That's right. Life, That's one up for giving us life. Um, and again, please tell a friend, rate and review us. We love you guys. Thank you for listening for uh, the last two, two-ish hours. <laughs> you never know. I could cut out a good 45 minutes of this. You could, but you won't. It's uh, Flame On Untucked. <laughs> ah! oh, there you go. <laughs> Check us out. Subscribe on YouTube. Yes, please do and tell a friend. And on that note... Uh, Flame off. Thanks for listening to Flame On, presented by Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audio Boom, or subscribe and stream on Google Play. Who the hell is using Google Play? Never mind. Flame On was created by Brian Pittard and is recorded, edited, and produced by Pat O'Rourke. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding through the Patreon network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. 
And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and Flame On on all your favorite social networks. Grinder, Scruff. I heard there's a thing called Recon. It seems scary. Follow us on at Flame On Podcast because that's what I decided to call it instead of at Flame On. Twitter and Flame On Show on Facebook, Tumblr, and all your favorite gay hookup sites. Already said that. If it's gay and geeky, we've got you covered. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.